0: Join us on The Path Radio Mix online. And to get there, type in thepathradio.com. That's thepathradio.com. And enjoy free streaming music all day long. That's it. thepathradio.com. Alright, now let's get to the main show, the monthly social podcast, with me, your host, Guido Perino, as you go on with Guido. Alright folks, welcome back. It's the May edition of the Go On With Guido podcast. I just keep trying to turn up the heat. I've got Anthony Rosano of Anthony Rosano and the Conquerors. He's going to be doing an interview with us, and then he's going to give us a brand new song called Keeps Adding Up. Then I've got Kathy Nesbitt, who's going to talk to us about her crawlies and International Compost Week. And then I've got guests who are going to be talking to us about their COVID vaccine experience. And you don't want to miss the special promos I have from Johnny Pregiuto and Chaser's Juice. And then at the end of the podcast, A bonus for you, as usual, Anthony Rosano comes back and does an acoustic version of The Chain. All right, folks, let's have some fun and let's go. All right, before we get started today, I wanted to tell you a little bit about one of our Promote Ontario slash Canada small businesses. Johnny prosciutto, artisanal, Italian, homemade products. We make it like our grandfather, or as we say, no. naturally cured, old-fashioned, and delicious. The best part? We deliver straight to your front door. We offer free shipping when spending over $99. Order online at johnnyprosciutto.com and stay safe. And when you use the code GUIDOROCKS, you're going to get $25 off your entire purchase that's at com. listen if you haven't tried com, if you haven't tried johnnyprosciutto period you got to give these guys a shot the, the food is really authentic and why not take advantage of the guido rocks promo and get 25 bucks off your order now look at if you live in ontario and you live in quebec and you spend more than 99 bucks you're gonna get free shipping anyways check out the site i'm telling you I've tried their products. My family's tried their products. My mom and dad, who've made this stuff, we we made this stuff growing up. They tried it, and they said, you know what? This is just as good as the stuff that we used to make at home. They don't just give that uh, endorsement out freely. So for them to like it, it's it's authentic, and it's legitimate. All right, without further ado, let's get to our main guest, Anthony Rosano of Anthony Rosano and the Conqueros. It's going to be a fun interview, folks. Hope you enjoy it. I'd like to welcome to the podcast guitarist, vocalist, songwriter, top 10 Billboard charting artist and iTunes chart topper, blues rocker, Anthony Rosano. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thanks for being here. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. I've been uh, looking forward to, to getting to talk with you. Yeah, me, their, getting me too. Getting to reconnect with, with my friends in Canada.
0: Me, I, you know what? I got. I'm going to talk to you about Canada. It's going to come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, but so where are you? Are you down in Virg- Virginia Beach right now? Yeah. Um, well, I'm in I'm in Norfolk, which is which
1: is right. Uh, you know closer to the Navy base. Oh. Cool. Um, I'm actually yeah. It's in it's in the Virginia Beach area though. Norfolk's like the dodgy part of this area. Uh. So I moved here from New York. And when I moved here, I said, well, I want to, I can't, I can't live someplace where I don't occasionally hear gunshots at night. So I'm going to move to Norfolk.
0: <laughs> I, you know what I was going to ask you? Because with the song, a song like Long Island Sound, I was like, oh, is that like a personal experience or is that like, uh, did he live yeah, there? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it is, right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's cool tunes. It's I mean, cool they tunes. pretty much all
0: are. <laughs> well, yeah, they're all cool tunes. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you. <laughs> So what's what's going on weatherwise? Are you are you warm down there today? Or uh, we're pro, I think
1: it was in the upper 60s today. We had a little storm come through a little earlier. I actually was in the studio earlier this this morning. I was going to ride my motorcycle to the studio because it said it was a fifty fifty shot of rain. And uh, I flipped a coin, and the coin said, "No, you're not riding a motorcycle. <laughs> you're going to take a car." And I'm glad the coin won because it had a downpour right when I had to leave. Uh, so I, yeah, <laughs> so I would have been I would have been stuck in the rain.
0: I I my dream is to someday ride a motorcycle. I just want uh I want a Fonzie bike. I just want like a a small little bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
1: I mean that's kind of what I got. I got a little I got a little Triumph, little yeah, here.
0: right, a Triumph, right, you like know? something something to kick around with just for fun, but. Um, my wife gives me a hard time because she works at a trauma hospital and she's, she's oh, yeah, like, uh, maybe you shouldn't ride the bike, you know. Anyways, so listen, I I, I saw you play on Friday. Well, I was going to, before we even get to that, I was going to say up here, the weather um we've had uh rain and and hail and it's supposed to snow in a few days (laughs) oh wow
1: yeah and then when you say i was gonna say it's gonna it stays pretty cold up there for a while
0: you know it was really weird like toward the end of march we had like a really hot day like in in Fahrenheit it was like 80 something for a few days i was like yeah summer's here let's go right and um but when you said 60 degrees you reminded me one point in my life i i almost moved down to texas and um the person who was who was recruiting me said uh yeah yeah we, we found a place for you it's got like uh it's really nice we got a fireplace and and i'm like a fireplace i'm like this is texas right she says yeah it gets cold here i said well how cold well I'll dip down to 60 i'm like I'm, <laughs> I'm in shorts up here at 60. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's summertime yeah that's right? summertime for us.
2: <laughs>
0: anyways so i was saying i i saw you i saw you play on friday night you streamed a live show yeah. And you guys sounded really good, and it looked like a cozy little venue. It looks like you had some fun there.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. It was a little place in Virginia Beach um, that, that's been very kind to us, and, and me in particular, and, and during, during COVID. Um, you know, I had a bunch of dates booked there, uh, like a rotation kind of thing, and when COVID shut everything down, they just kept the dates, but I went in and did stuff solo acoustic. Right, because of the, because of the limited audience, um, and it, it was I mean that was really the, my a lot of my bread and butter through through a lot of this this COVID lockdown stuff was being able to do solo acoustic shows. Um, so they kept that going, and we kept the dates on the books. And now that things are starting to open up a little bit, and you know a lot of people are, are getting vaccinated here where I live, um, we're able to get out, and, and it's still reduced capacity. Um, but i think people feel a little safer they feel a little like okay i can get out you know a good good chunk of the population is vaccinated they've opened up vaccines in uh in my area to anybody over the age of 16. wow so there's yeah there's no more there's no more list i've actually i'm i'm my second i got my second uh pfizer shot uh a week ago so so i'm 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 halfway there i'm, I'm another week and i'm, I'm i should be pretty well good to go that's
0: good i i'm still i'm, I'm still not vaccinated not because i don't want to be we're just we're, we're behind here in canada it seems a little bit right. but i did see some folks walk like uh, i saw some folks in the audience and and some folks still had masks on there it seemed and, and some didn't so i guess it's a comfort level for everybody eh?
1: it's a comfort level i mean to to be to be honest you know i think you know uh you're supposed to wear them right i think you know uh and that's you know i think that's the 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 I think there is still a mask mandate, but um it's without getting too political about it. I uh personally (laughs) wear a mask whenever I'm around other people, unless I'm on stage because it's hard to sing with a mask on. But um that's my personal thing, you know, even though I've I've been vaccinated, I'm like, no, I'm just you know That's
0: cool. That's good to hear. Do
1: whatever I can to to protect everybody that I can. You know, if I go out to the grocery
0: store or the music store or whatever, I have a mask on. That, well, we're um, we're in lockdown here right now where I live. Um, we don't. Oh, wow. We can only we can only go for groceries. Um, everything else is kind of shut down. Like the big box stores are limited to what they can sell. They can only sell groceries as well. So it's a little bit different.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it's
1: quite different. Yeah. yeah.
0: So listen, not to harp on the COVID nineteen thing. I, I at that show though, I I uh, I noticed that you sang Happy Birthday a couple of times, and you even you even teased the polka version. Yes <laughs> Do you play polka? I don't play just There happened to be two
1: birthdays There happened to be two birthdays um, And I, if I remember correctly uh, The first uh, person's birthday was Wendy It was Wendy's 50th birthday Happy birthday, so
0: it was, Wendy
1: It was the lady's name Yes, happy birthday again, Wendy And uh, she brought, you know, her dad A whole bunch of people come out um, They reserved a bunch of tables and stuff Which was cool um, and then there was another lady, uh, another another girl named Jessica, I believe it was her birthday. Um so I usually will do like a you know, uh a, a funk version of happy birthday <laughs> if I know it's somebody's birthday in the audience, you know. Yeah. So good. I did that one for Wendy, and then I was like, "Well, what can I do? I can't do the same song for this, you know, for for this other girl and make her feel." Jessica,
0: know. Happy Birthday, Jessica! Jessica, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, I can't do
1: the same thing, so I, I, did, I did like a you know a, a boom chicka version, you know, a little rednecky boom <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I was kind of half joking. I said, if there was a third birthday, I'd have to I'd have to figure out a polka version uh, real quick.
2: I was Something I had
0: a, I had a good chuckle with that. I thought that was cool. So. So, listen. Speaking of birthdays, I I saw you play live a couple years back in Toronto, uh, up here in Canada, on October twenty six, two thousand and nineteen, um, yeah. and it was a few days from my own birthday. So it was it was a birthday treat for me. My brother my brother had called me and said, "Hey, Seeger's coming to Toronto. Let, let's go!" and and he brought me to the concert. And he and I, we love music, and and it's a rule like uh, we always get there as early as we can because we want to see all the musicians play. And, and I'm glad that I did that. Um, you played great that night. You played ahead of the legendary uh, Bob Seeger. We loved your sound. Uh, you and the Conquerors. We're gonna get to that a little bit later, and Thank you. Um, and we'll get to Bob a little bit later too. But but I have to ask you right now. Did you? Um, being up here did you get a chance to enjoy canada like between sets or or is there a memory that that you'll always have from from visiting here that you want to share with folks
1: well yeah i mean uh, i didn't get a lot of time to to really uh get around canada um or or get or even get around toronto um because the way that the the everything was set up getting in and getting out um it was my first time going to going going over the border oh, wow. going across the border Um, so, and I don't want to, I don't want to peel back the curtain on, uh, magic here, but there was, uh, you know, backstage magic, but, uh, there was, uh, we just, you know, time constraints. It was just one of like, you know, uh, we had to make sure we had enough time to get through customs, which we did. Um, and then, uh, we got into, we got into Canada and, uh, got pretty much got to the hotel by the venue right when we, right when we needed to. I uh, had dinner, went to bed, got up the next day, oh, wow. and when you're doing, uh, you know, my my call time for the Seeger shows, which if I remember correctly, we were playing at like seven thirty, like doors. It was either seven or seven thirty, so it was doors at six or six thirty, and then we yeah. played an hour after that. Yeah, and my call time to be there was like eleven thirty in the morning. Oh man. So you know, we, you're you're there, you know, all day making sure that everything is ready to go, and you're you know things are transitioning smoothly with getting on stage and getting off stage. So um, yeah, I pretty much. Uh, how you, is it Scotia Bank? Yeah, you, you know what? Yes, that's
0: what that's what it used to be. The Canada Center. I, I'm still I'm still stuck calling it, but I think when you played it was the Scotia Bank Arena. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I've seen a lot of the inside of the Scotia Bank Arena <laughs> while I was there. <laughs> um, but I will say this: one that you know, if you're, if you're talking about memories of Canada um, and Toronto in particular, I do uh, want to say that I thought it was it was amazing how you know, and coming growing up in New York, you know, I grew up on Long Island and right. I've been in, you know New York City, Manhattan, quite a few times, and so it's not like and I'm you know Chicago. I've been to plenty of cities. Um, But uh, Toronto was very clean, and I definitely was like the whole artistic vibe and everything that was there. I just loved it. Like I, I definitely, you know, I was on the phone with my wife, and I'm like, "Man, we gotta come up here. Like, (laughs) you have to see this place because it's so cool. The architecture is cool. The like the attention to the way buildings, the lighting is on buildings. You know what I mean? And then I remember there was like a little Mediterranean restaurant that was next to uh, the hotel we were staying in. It wasn't really a restaurant. It was more like a little, yeah. little food shanty truck kind of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? So it, to me, it had that New York street food vibe too. <clears throat> but um, I just, I really appreciated the way that um, it's almost like all these artistic elements and these, the you know, the multural, multicultural aspect of city life is really seem like it's embraced in in toronto in particular um and it just seemed like it was like yeah man this is cool like, that, it just, that's was... uh,
0: that's pretty impressive that you picked that up in the short time that you were here because it is like a uh you know the culture the culture in toronto's um pretty broad and and those little experiences you know finding finding the little the little shops and, and things along yeah. the, the different the different streets there um, you know, I, I didn't I'm not born and raised here. I, I was born up and raised up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, which is a little small town in, in northern Ontario. I shouldn't say small, small, but, but small enough compared to here. So I, I sort of was exposed to Toronto um in a similar way where I was I was you know learning all these new things. I was like, wow, I've never seen this before. I never seen that food before. And you know, right, so right. so yeah, it's 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 a lot to take in, I think, and and it being your first time, right? So
3: yeah,
1: I mean, and even like, you know, when we did, the, I did the currency exchange, you know, and I, you know, from time to time, from time to time here, you'll get, you know, I'll get, you know, like, oh man, it's a Canadian dime. Let me slip me a Canadian dime. You know what I mean? Like, what's up with that? Uh, but, but just
0: the, the. the that's really like, the, that's really like three cents, man. <laughs> so,
1: I know. I <laughs> So you get bummed up down here. But, but when I, when I did the when I did the currency exchange, just like the, the, the paper money, right? And I remember looking at it and the colors and the way it was. And I was like, yeah, it's just, it just speaks to, again you know me seeing the money uh, again i was like yeah like this is cool like there's even a, an artistic sort of thing to the money you know it's just not it's uh, like yeah i'm sure if it's color-coded
0: so it's easy to tell what's what when you're going through your pocket you know, you know what i mean I-, I wonder i i should probably know why it's color-coded and i don't not gonna have to look that. i up. mean i would think that makes the most <laughs>
1: sense you know so it's like you know you can just look at it you'd be like oh this is five this is ten you know but but for me, you know what I mean, as as a novelty of it, you know, yeah,
0: it's kind of cool. You know, look
1: at right, look at how look at how cool this looks. You know, what I mean, it's my, the, even the money looks cool. You know, um, but yeah, it was it was it was a great was a great experience, man. I mean, and definitely, cool. I'm looking forward to getting back there. And and uh, yeah,
0: I liked it a lot. So so being in Toronto, and are you a hockey fan at all?
1: Uh, I haven't watched hockey in years. Um, when I was growing up, you know, I was I was a uh, New York Islanders fan
0: right. growing up. Like, are we talking um, the Bobby uh, the, the the Mike Bossy type of? Uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah.
1: that that
0: Billy that era, Smith, yeah. Mike Bossy, that yeah,
1: era. Yeah, that yeah. era. So, and I really was never that big of a. I growing up, I wasn't that big of a sports guy. I didn't really excel in sports. Um, and I mean, this may lead into one of your mm. questions later <laughs> on because look, I was always I've been a music guy, you know m- pretty much my whole life. That's cool. Uh, my, my from from as, as far back as I can remember, it was like music was always the thing that did it for me. So I was always more of that guy than you know, I didn't play sports in school or well, it's I, play, good. I play soccer or football. I don't know if you call it football up there. Like when you call it you... football or soccer, soccer. Okay. So we, I played soccer, you know, when I was, when I was in grade school and stuff, yeah. but, um, I was never any good at it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. So a good segue, right? Cause I was going to say to you, um, listen, based on, on what I do with my podcast here, The audience knows and then they've come to expect me to ask that the in the opening question i'll say look at from a career perspective how did you get to where you're at so how how did you become a singer writer performer whatever the classification is uh, without offending anybody out there who's into the art in different ways um you know was it was something you planned or you went to school for did it just start to happen And, and maybe by the sounds of it you know by virtue of some other things maybe it did but what are some of the challenges you had i guess in 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 at some point, you had to say, "Well, yeah, this is my career. I'm going to do this." And and then, what advice would you have for anyone who's 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 out there going? I, that's you know, that's what I think I want to do
2: too.
1: Well, this is this is an onion of a question because there's many <laughs> layers to this. Right, it always is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, here's you know, touching back on what we were, we were just talking about. You know, when I was a kid, I was probably, I mean, I'll, I don't even think I was in kindergarten yet, and I remember being in my mom's car. And um, uh, Black Dog from Led Zeppelin being on the radio, right? And I remember hearing that, and like it stopped the rotation of for me as a little kid. I was like, "What is this?" Like what? And I was I was completely fixated on it. Um, and then you know, just really you know, classic rock radio. Growing up when I was a little kid, my mom used to listen to a lot of that stuff. You know, she was uh, a child of the '60s, so. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all that kind of stuff is what I grew up listening to. Um, and I just always, I mean, it was, it was the, it really was the most important thing to me, whether I knew it or not. And I, I, as far back as I can remember, I remember constantly thinking of music. So like, I would just, you know, there's, I'm always humming a song or, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid, I was in Kennedy, we were walking up to the, uh, to the library, like the the public library up yeah. the street from the school I went to, and um, we, we you know all these kids are walking, and you know you hear the footsteps going <laughs> walking right, and I remember going, we don't need no <laughs> right, and I'm, I'm I'm in kindergarten and I'm doing and I'm singing this right, and the teacher was like, what do you what did you say like what are you doing? and then I I just sang it. I'm like, I was like, I just continued to sing the song.
0: And she started laughing, you know. You're cranking on you're I, cranking off Floyd to all the other kindergarten stuff. No, yeah, I other kids don't
1: know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? They don't know what I'm talking. But um, but yeah, I mean that was just I was just completely sucked into music from the time I was a little kid. Um fast forward, you know, you get older. Um, I'm in junior high, I get a guitar. My my mom talks to my dad into get me a guitar when I'm fifteen. Huh. And then I kind of get sucked into that and by that point I'm like yeah this is it like this is what I need to do. This is this is I found my calling.
4: Huh.
1: Um I knew then, right? I didn't finish I dropped out of school. I don't see anybody dropping out of school, but I dropped out of school when I was 16 because I was like, look, I'm not going to need this. I'm wow. going to play guitar. This is what I'm going to do. Um but at the same time you know my parents and the people around me are like you know you gotta have a you know you gotta have some kind of backup plan you gotta have a backup plan so i drop out of school the band i'm playing with in a time um you know one of the guys in the band is has got johnny hall um he was a, a singer he was older than me these guys were all you know i'm i'm a teenager they're all in their 20s right mm-hmm. and and um i'm the you know guitar player in this band and and uh you know, he was a, a flooring guy. He was a carpet guy. You know, carpet stuff. So, right. I started working with him, and I picked that up as a vocation, being a huh. flooring
0: guy. So you had, um, so you had a backup plan.
1: I did, but here's where things get interesting. This is where the <clears> advice <throat> part of this go, comes in. What ends up, what ended up happening is uh, the band thing starts taking aside, and you start getting, as you get older, what happens with a lot of people, and. It, you know, myself included. I mean, to everybody is life starts taking, you know, oh, I got to pay for this. I got to do this and I got to work. And da, da, da. and now what ends up happening is your backup plan becomes the plan, <laughs> your backup plan, your plan B becomes the plan and plan A takes us takes a sideline. Right. And next thing you know, you're 35 years old and you're like, yeah, uh, if I have to go to this job one more day. <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind, but I have a wife and a mortgage and two kids and car payments. And, uh, I ended up just at that point in my life, by the time I had gotten there, I said, well, you know, I built a a successful floor covering business, uh, you know, contracting business. And, you know, this is right around 2010 when the first, you know, economy bubble was, or was, or 2007 when the first bubble was getting ready to burst. Uh, I went to work for a company. I've been self-employed from the time I was 15 up until that point. Wow! And went to work for somebody because business was slowing down. Worked for them for a few years, and then uh, I said, "Yeah, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna. I gotta. I gotta make a go with this. I gotta music for a living." So with you know the mortgage, the house payments, you know the the, the wife, two kids, I gave my two week notice. Wow! At my at my regular job, and said I I have to make this work. It was like literally I I put myself in dire straits and said I'm I'm gonna make this work. I'm you you went this.
0: you went all in.
1: I did absolutely yeah, and uh, you know for me that worked that worked. You know, it, it, knock on wood. I don't want to say you know, um, <laughs> it's been working for me. It's been it's been working. I've been able to 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 make a living playing music since then. Uh, I play full time. I've played full time, one hundred percent, since uh, about two thousand and eleven. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've 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 been able to make a living and provide for my family that way.
0: But you you um, said you said when you got your guitar at at fifth, age of fifteen, that I need to do this. Like you're, when you were when you're talking about it, you say back then you said I need to do this.
1: Yeah, and like and like I said, I mean, it, it was one of those things where. Um, I just would, you know, even even when I, I would go to work, and that would be, I would be, you know, at first I convinced I would convince myself that this is, a, all right, I just this is just a part time, you know, it's just a thing I'm doing until I can right. do this, right? As get further from what you want to do, yeah. For me, that was my, you know, everybody's, you know, knowledge may vary. For me, that was my situation. Is I ended up being so tied into. Uh, and I was getting tired of telling myself, you know, one day I'm going to have the luxury. And it just never happens because like I said, that plan B becomes the plan. And then, you know, like I said, I I had a, a bunch of guys working for me. You know, it was almost like um, when the financial collapse happened, it was almost look back like the universe was like, all right, dude, you're getting in way too deep. You know, I had to take a step back from it. I had to step back from it. And, uh and 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 sort of pull the in on the contracting business
3: um but yeah i mean i, I don't know
1: I, I don't know i wouldn't say that's necessarily advice I, my only advice and i tell my kids my two girls this all is just like i said there's no plan b there don't don't bother making a plan b just make a plan and, and the plan is the plan You pick what you want to do and you do that and don't worry about uh financial stability and stuff like that i mean obviously if you're like you know i want to be a balloon animal artist you have to set some realistic goals you know <laughs> what I mean like if that's what you want to be yeah you could be you could be that but you know you're still going to be living in my spare bedroom pretty much your Yeah, I don't know if there's a you know a world famous balloon artist so and that's the other thing is setting realistic you know goals and and defining your own success that's always been something that I've I've tried to do with what I do I mean yes I, I had the opportunity to um, tour with Bob, opening for Bob Seger and play venues that people, you know, I was talking about, you know, we, the last date I did with him was Madison square garden. And, you know, so to be able to, to say that you played Madison square garden and you don't have a record deal and you don't have a manager, right. And you know what I mean? And you just, you just did it on the strength of your songs and your work ethic And, uh, that attracted the, the good graces of somebody like Bob Seger, who said, let's give these guys a shot. Um, I'm, I'm forever indebted to him for that, but, um, you know, look, that's, I mean, that's, I think that quantifies as, as a success in anybody's book, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like your, I like what you're saying in terms of, um, you know what, don't, don't have a plan B, but have a realistic plan A or you know something right. something that fits right like
1: I mean when I when I quit my my day gig and said I'm going to play music for a living my goal was to sustain uh, 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 you know be able to provide for my family by right. playing music <clears throat> that's my goal that was my that was my initial goal that was my initial goal yeah i mean um, sounds you know, like- not to not not i didn't have dreams that i would i would you know i was you know basically a 40 year old man and I'm like, all right. Am I going to be? You know, I'm not thinking I'm going to be playing Madison Square Garden in my lifetime. <laughs> you know,
0: but you did. <laughs>
1: but I, right, but I, but, but I did. You did. <laughs> so so you know. It, but it's it's <clears throat> setting realistic. You know, defining your own success realistically. You know.
0: Yeah, and I guess you had you had some self awareness to identify your passion, and and your passion was was music and and playing guitar, and it it shows. Like I when I watch you. Uh, I mean, when I watched you live at at uh, at the at the arena, it showed on stage. And when I saw you live stream, even the live stream, it, it shows that that you know um, you have a passion for it. Um, going Thank out, you. Going along with with the with with um, music as a passion for you, um, what got you into the blues? Like was and and I know you mentioned earlier, you, there was a trigger. You know, you're riding around with with your mom, and you're kind of listening to Zeppelin. That's when you kind of got into music. But, but what was there a trigger for for Yeah, I'm playing the blues, or did you fall in love with the like other blues yeah, artists? well, or? it
1: was. I again, it kind of. I just kind of got led down that path. You know, I was. Um, uh, well, the first thing that I heard that I can that I can distinctly remember and saying this is blues, like the or 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 figuring out. You know, I'd heard it before. You know what I mean, but didn't know really what it was or. But I remember uh, it w- again. You know, it was, it was watching "Song Remains the Same," and uh, since I've been loving you, huh.
5: and I was like,
1: "What?" Just to, you know, again, it was <laughs> another moment, another Zeppelin moment. Um, and then I started connecting the dots. I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute!" But that's you know, the Rolling Stones kind of do some of that stuff too, right? You know what I mean? Oh, and and you know, Humble Pie. I mean, they kind of do that, too. And the old Jeff Beck Group stuff does that, too. And then, wait a minute. Uh, that's pretty much what Cream is doing. That's what Cream is, you know what I mean? So then it was like this whole little, like, bell goes off in your head. And what really sent me down the the, the path was um, I was growing up, I, I, was, I had gotten really into uh, Judas Priest. I would say oh, Glenn wow. Tipton from Judas Priest was my very first... You know, idolized gets guitar player, the guy that I was yeah. like, wow, man, I just love all this stuff. But even some of their old stuff, like Rock and 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 uh, you know, stuff victim of changes and stuff was kind of like blues rockish. Yeah. But I I was reading an interview with him in a magazine, in a guitar magazine, and he was talking about uh Peter Green and Rory Gallagher. Yeah. Right. And uh and he was saying, you know, he was really talking about, a lot about Peter Green in this particular interview. But so I was like, well, was Peter Green? Who's Peter Green? Who's this guy? You know, I gotta see. I gotta see what's up with this guy. So then I'm like, you know, go to the record store and I see uh, Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. Now I'm thinking Fleetwood Mac like, you know, Stevie Nicks Fleetwood Mac yeah, yeah. and Lindsey Buckingham Fleetwood Mac, which is great too. Which is great too. But you know, if you to put it to put it in context. You're reading an interview with a guy from Judas Priest who's talking about Fleetwood Mac. And I'm like, what? Like Stevie <laughs> Nick? Like, what? That's, that influenced you on guitar? So I I find this Peter Green, I find this, this cassette tape, and it was uh live from the Boston Tea Party. And again, I was I was like, whoa, this is not. The Fleetwood Mac that I I even know of, you know what I mean? Like this is com- something completely different. And then backtrace that to John Mayall's Blues Breakers, which is weird because most people get into John Mayall's Blues Breakers from Clapton, but that brought me to Mayall's mm-hmm. Blues Breakers, which brought me to early Clapton, which brought me, you know, to uh, you, you, uh, you
0: you're just running you're just running the gamut on these guys. Holy jeez!
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, so that was it. It was just a rabbit hole of, of me going down, and then I'm like, oh. You know, uh, Paul Kossoff from Free is like that, too. So all these really my my on ramp to uh, blues music was through the British hmm. guys who were who were trying to cop that blues thing. Um, that really was my on ramp into into blues. And then, you know, of course, that led me back to Muddy Waters, Who's I mean, Muddy Waters to me is that's the epitome of. Yeah. American blues. You know, is is muddy waters. Muddy waters is is. I I think you know everything after muddy waters to me is blues rock. Right, and I muddy guess muddy waters is the last.
0: I, I when I you know in my in my amateur brain, uh, I guess I think blues, and, and that's one of the first things muddy waters comes to mind when when that happens. Uh, and then there's like all this other stuff that was influenced and and whatnot, and I, and not to take away from any of the other blues guys, but for whatever yeah, reason, no, that's, that's what comes too, yeah. to my mind. Now you mentioned you mentioned the Stones, and and um, I, I mentioned earlier iTunes uh, chart topper. You at one point I think you surpassed the Stones on iTunes
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. That was,
1: yeah. That, like was, was, pretty, that was another <laughs> pretty, that was another one. that was like, I didn't even never expect this in my lifetime. Right. I,
0: like, OGs, Right. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, we, we did a record. I did a record down in Louisiana with a uh, uh, guy named Mike Zito. Right. It was another, another influence. You know, Mike's a great guy. Uh, he, I had sent him, I did a demo of a song called love has got a hold on me. And, yeah, yeah. um, I had just sent I don't even know why I did like uh, I just sent it to him <laughs> and was like on Facebook or Messenger or something was like, hey man, uh, I really I wanted his opinion on it. He was somebody, you know, he it was, he is somebody. He's somebody that right. I look up to as well. And and you know, um, I was like, look, you know, uh, give me your opinion on this on his song. So I I did this demo in my, my little home studio. He said he liked the song. He said, "Do you have more?" I said, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, do you plan on doing a record?" I said, "Yeah, I'd love to do a record." You know, I'm, I'm writing, and uh, he's like, "Man, well," he says, "I'll produce it if you're if you're interested." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" You know, like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'm interested." You know, I love his I love the sound of his records and the stuff uh-huh. that he, he was doing. So, um, yeah, went down to New Orleans, recorded the record in like a week. Um did it all live. Wow. Everything on that particular record like guitar, vocals, drums, bass, uh <laughs> were done all live and then uh and it was really just because we didn't have the isolation to do any other instruments live at the time, but um so yeah, that stuff all went on live. Um I thought I was just doing scratch takes. I didn't think I was doing like final keeper vocal takes or anything and uh mike was like no dude he says you just leave it he's like it's you're not going to capture that again he's like you're
0: i, I always find just, that i always find that interesting to hear that eh
1: yeah i mean it, you know i uh uh i mean it, it obviously did well so it, it comes out and it and it yeah. it, it, it you know it's climbing up the itunes chart the day it comes out i think it de- debuted at like number five or something and i was like that's wild dude yeah i was like Number five on iTunes blues chart, like that's ridiculous. And and it was it was climbing all day. And it was and Joe Bonamassa had something on there at the time, and the Stones had just released their blues record, and that was cemented at the number one spot. Great. I think. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, yeah. And then uh, we we were going, we're going, and people are sending me, you know, friends are sending me screenshots all day. They're like, dude, look, you're past this one, you're past. Oh, oh man, you you're in number, you're in the number two spot. Like it was like it was like Stones. Us and Joe Bonamassa at the time. And I had another buddy of mine call me. And he's like, man, he's like, I can't, I can't believe it, dude. He's like, duh, duh, duh. I said, yeah, man. I said, he's like, the Stones, man, the Stones. I, and I'm thinking we're still number two, you know. So I said, I said, on the phone. I'm like, yeah, I said, look, I said, this is probably the closest I'll ever get to Mick and Keith in my life. I said, this is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe this. dude. It's, it's insane. He said, well, you haven't seen it yet, have you? I said, no. He's like, look at the iTunes chart. He hangs up the phone. I look at the eye. I was completely blown away. We we had we had passed uh I passed the Stones. We were number 1 and the Stones were number 2 on the iTunes chart.
0: That's and It was insane. That is, right? It's a, like an, a, a beyond accomplishment, right? Like something It was
1: beyond. It was beyond. It was so crazy. I I had my will changed <laughs> to say that on on my the epitaph on my tombstone needs to say, you know, born April 9th uh da da da, da. <laughs> You know, died in, da, 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 right in the middle. It's gonna say April seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, surpassed the uh, Rolling Stones on the iTunes blues Blue I'm just gonna go in the middle. Um, but yeah, it was another one of those things. that completely unbelievable, unexpected. And again, it was by the the the, the grace of the people who connect with the right. music that that I've I've written. And um, you know, the, I, I don't I I hate the word fans because it just sounds weird. People who people who bought the record, absolutely, uh, who thought enough of it to, to 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 put down their their money and buy the record, um, it's it's really because of them, you know what I mean? It really is. It's and, and the grace of whatever higher power you you know you believe in. Um, and Mike Zito, I mean, he took a chance and you know, well, I mean, did, did a record with me and 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 we came up with something good. And and David Farrell worked on a record. I mean, it was just it was a it was a great. Uh, it's a great thing that happened.
0: I mean, you you took your shot too. You you reached out. You took a you took the chance to say, "Hey, uh, it all started with, hey, can you have a listen to this?' Right?" And and I mean, there's a lot of folks out there that it, we we kind of sit around and we wait and we think, "Oh, should I? Shouldn't I? What will they think? What won't they think?" But you know, um, iTunes chart topper, you thinking about 15 year old you saying, "I I need this is something I need to do." I mean, <laughs> you, you took your shot, right? Like if, if those two, if you could separate yourselves and have those conversations, you took your shot. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, I you know the other part of this and you mentioned some other names. I I'm getting lost in all the names cuz cuz there's just so, so much sorry. talent. I'm not trying to
1: name no. them either. I'm not, you know, no. I, it feels weird doing that. No,
0: no, because I I'm like, you know, this is like I'm talking to my brother cuz he and I have all these music conversations, so and and he's the one that, you know, has taught me so much about music, um, you know, growing up and stuff. But you you threw, you know, Rory Gallagher and like you've drawn comparisons to Gallagher and and to Zeppelin, which you said was a, an early influence and I think in your bio, you even have drawn, uh, it says you've drawn some some comparisons to guys like Springsteen. And uh, like when you hear stuff like that, and I mean, your experience passing the stones, but you hear those comparisons. And does that, does that still, like, how does that resonate with you today? You hear those names and you hear your name next to it. Like, Surreal? Well, yeah, I mean, that in two bucks to get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, yeah,
2: it's,
1: it's a little, it's a little crazy. It's a little, it's a little crazy. I mean, I don't, I certainly don't view what I do uh, on that, on that level. You know what I mean? At all right. whatsoever. I mean, I'm still a baby. I'm still learning to walk. You know, those guys are, are legit masters. So um, I, don't, I don't, I don't, it's very humbling. It's very humbling. Yeah, it's, it's it's very it's very humbling to hear stuff like that. You know, when people were reviewing the record and stuff, and you know, I look, I, I think Long Island Sound is one of the, the you know those spring scene things because it's a story song, it's autobiographical, but at the same time, I think the song itself um, resonates with people. You know what I mean? And keeping that close to who you are. Um, so I think that's that's what's you know made the song. Uh, connect with people
0: so we we had, a, um, we had a little blip there you said um uh it was connecting to where you were growing up is that is that what you said right yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so it's it's you know i think i think you know the song for me it's an autobiographical song about where i grew up right. and the people i grew up with i think that you know that even though i'm singing about long island it really is an applicable thing to no matter where you grew
0: yeah up. I, you know what it's one of my favorite tunes and, and that's one of the things i actually said was thank you when i'm when i'm kind of you know um and I'm kind of going through it. There was one of the early lines. It's something like, um, yeah, never, never, never had a lot of money or something to that effect. And, and growing up in Sault Ste. Marie and, and it's a steel town and, you know, my dad worked in a steel, steel mill and stuff. and, we had enough to get, we had enough, like we were, we were a happy family and stuff, but, but, you know, just the, the lyrics and that it kind of takes you through it and you kind of go, yeah, I can relate to some of the things that are happening in the song, which is what you're after. Right. So,
1: right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, and at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've really learned to articulate uh, that in my own mind that the whole purpose of music, right. Is not, it's not a look at me thing. It's a, it's a let's connect. You know, the, 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 I, of course, Jimmy Page is an amazing guitar oh, yeah. player. Of course, Rory Gallagher yeah. is an amazing guitar player. You know what I mean? But I connect musically with what they're doing and what they're saying through their music and what they're doing when they're playing. So that's really ultimately the goal is to connect with other human beings. I think that's right. why so many people are, um, I don't want to say into me. I, I have this, I, I tell people this all the time. You know, people come up to me to show and i are like, Man, I always wanted to play music, but I just you know I don't have the ability to do it or I, and i i I always use this as an example. Of people I'm like, no, you do have the ability, yeah, but it's just like me with sports. if I practiced right i could i could probably I could probably go out and play basketball with the best of them if that's really what my heart was in. My heart's not in that it's in it's in music, so that's why i'm I play music right but i I said I could prove to you that music is 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 an a innate a uh as innate a human part of the human experience as anything else and I said, how's that i said well when you're when you're working in your garden or you're doing something at home right yeah. if you don't have the radio on and you think of a song in your head <laughs> they're like yeah I'm like is it out a key <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the song you sing along in your head is it out of key they're like no i'm like right because you know how you know music right. it's part of being human a uh, human being it's 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 programmed into who we are
0: people it, don't uh, listen to songs in their head out of key it's universal it's, it's universal it's yeah. a universal language and uh, you know some of us uh you, you kind of know that it's, it's a universal language on on a few different levels some of them on a on a lyrics level some of them on, on just the music itself level some some both right if, if you if you can do yeah, that yeah yeah now are lucky? you are you firm in your in in blues rocks like if if you would you cross genres at all in in terms of of either working with other artists or or transitioning a bit or is it hey man blues?
1: I uh, no it's really hey man this is what I, yeah. I mean I I've never really wanted to put a label on anything I did as one thing or another. Um I just pl- I just write songs.
0: It's just your it's just you know? your sound is what is what it comes down to. It's my sound. I-
1: yeah, I think I think what it is, I think the reason why um, people would consider me a blues artist. So so the, so the iTunes thing, right? right? So when I submitted this song to iTunes, I didn't put what genre it is. They picked what they put it in the blues genre. Oh. I didn't put it in the blues genre, they do. So um I just submitted the record to the distributor and they put it in the genre, okay? Um, long on Sound is by no means a blues song. You know, in a classical right. sense of what a blues song is. But I think what what it is 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 because of my approach to playing music has, for whatever reason, so much in common uh, with with you know guys like Muddy Waters. That's I mean, how it I, got. I that's think, how it got slated. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think it's I think it's just you know I don't sound anything like Muddy Waters. I don't say anything like BB King <laughs> or any of those guys. But but I think my I think my the soul of you know. How I how I approach the music is similar to what they did, and I can all that's just conjecture. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't you know. I didn't know. Obviously, but I'm gonna something's gonna tell me that Muddy didn't didn't you know sing a lot of like Hey, this is gonna be a hit, (laughs) or I got to write this little ditty. You know what I mean? He just wrote
0: what he yeah. He just wrote what he felt like writing,
1: and and that's that's what it is. So I I do the same thing, you know
0: so Anthony Um, uh, you you mentioned you mentioned soul so you you've gone from playing live shows to to because of COVID-19 doing the live streaming thing in the in the last year and a bit um you know I've seen some of your live stream and and uh I, I got I really like the up and up and close personal experience, um through the camera lens. But um, man. but man, I, you know it was so sweet to see you on stage and, and being in the arena too. But how's it been different for you playing in front of the camera? Like you don't have the, the fan feedback or, or, I mean, it's one thing to hear that the fans rocking out, and then you know the the alternative is what was the comment they made <laughs> on the screen? <laughs> so, well, that's it. I mean here's the, when I first started doing the stream thing uh, back in
1: March. And getting locked down. I really was doing it at the to um, and I I'll say, I mean, for, to keep myself sane, okay, because I was looking at the time they were like, hey, we're gonna be locked down, we're gonna lock everything down for right. like two weeks to a month. And I'm like, what am I gonna do with myself? <laughs> because I play I normally play, you know, at least four times a week, uh-huh. you know. So I'm like, what am I gonna do with myself? So I, I took a took like a, you know, all right, let me maybe I'll maybe I'll do some live streams and and maybe that will help. Uh, get my mind off of what's going on, and help get other people's minds off of what's going on.
0: Well, I'm I'm, and, I'm glad you did them.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was it was weird because you know the first I remember the first one I did. I'm like, I don't know, like I finished a song and then there's nothing, you know what I mean? And I'm like looking at my phone. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, send up some like, what do you call them, like uh, uh, reacticons or something?
0: I don't know, you know, like send up something. Emojis. Emojis,
1: something, yeah. Something, so yeah, so I know you're there, you know. But it was after I did the show that I went back and looked at all the comments that I was like, oh man, these people, you know, people were really they- there they yeah. were in it
0: they were in it with me you know what I mean yeah you just so don't that, get that you don't get that immediate feedback you know like no but it gave me it
1: gave me some solace knowing that you know no we you know we're, we're truly not alone here uh you know uh everybody's in together and I seen you know on the threads people talking to each other right you know so I was like wow it kind of is like a show You know, because they're reconnecting with people who they haven't seen because we're locked down. So then they're talking about whatever and then it gets back to their listening to music. And I had so many people send me private messages and say, like, yeah, you know, I did. You know, I, I just put it on on my TV. Like I just put it on my TV. I had people that were having, you know, you could have small gatherings at the time. And they would, you know, and they're like, Yeah, we had a couple of our close friends come over and we just watched it on TV and had dinner and it was like being at a show. It was great.
0: I know? admit I might have sent you a message asking you to come back to Canada just just full full transparency. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you did you did, yeah. And I, look I, I I would love to I would love to come back to Canada. Hopefully now that things are moving along, although I don't know, you said you guys are locked down
0: again. Oh, we're, so. We are locked down. <laughs> we are locked down. It may be it may be a while <laughs> before they open I, the I don't know.
1: I think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I think I think like I said, we're starting to open up a little bit here, but I think it is overall, it's going to be a while before we get back to any sense of normal normalcy.
0: So during that time, you you penned something called Isolation Blues. Um, yes. and I know it, you can stream it over you have your website anthony you can stream it over there if folks want to have a listen to it, it it's a pretty uh, reflective tune there's some lines that, that I picked out of it and in this in the song it was like six feet might as well be a mile I sanitized the house just to pass the time panic by in aisle five and and you wrote this in March <laughs> 2020 but like those things became the norm like so I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself what like what brought you to write that so early? Like it was what, four or five, maybe four or five weeks into, into the thing. Wasn't it? Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was, I mean, we did, I played a show March 12th
1: in Virginia and that was the last, that was the day they did the state of emergency here. Oh, okay. And they shut everything down. We actually had the governor th- th- was they were on the phone with the governor trying to see if our show was going to go on that because we were we were planning a place called Sandler Center here with it's the
0: like, governor. Up,
1: right? Yeah, well, because it was it was like it's like a fifteen hundred cap room. So they yeah, so they were like you know we they didn't even know if we were gonna if we were gonna do the show. They ended up doing a show. I was not sure that I wanted to do the show because you know I'm like dude, do I want to get all these people in a room? Do you know what I mean? Like that's a little crazy. Um but anyway we the show the show went on um nobody I don't think anybody knew how serious this was going to end up or be um, but that was the day that everything got locked down, so yeah. it was March twelfth um and then I wrote the song you know shortly after that, and I think I had it out by the end of the month yeah and
0: it, it was pretty bang on like I, I i kept I was listening again, I was like man, he's pretty bang on, he's like telling the future here but but so will you? Is that a song that you'll keep playing, or or is, will you look back on that and go, "Man, I don't want to relive that"?
1: <laughs> no, I, well, I do it. I do it when I play my acoustic. I do when I do solo acoustic gigs. I do that song. I, I don't. I don't play it with the band. I mean, on the recording, the recording that I, that that's out um, is just me playing everything. It's me playing on. <laughs> you know, drums, bass, and guitar and stuff. So um, I just tracked it in my studio and cool. I kind of put. It, I, I wasn't even going to put it out, but I did it on a live stream and. Um, NPR contacted me, and they used they wanted to use it for um, Voice of America, <laughs> one of their shows. So I was like, "Okay, I better record this." Yes, so I record. That's when I recorded it, and then you know they put it on Voice of America. I was like, oh, "I'll just put it up." And, you know, people seemed to like it. It got again, it got people's minds off of what was going on, and, yeah. and maybe got a little chuckle out of it. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, there's a little bit of me that's like. I'm not poking fun at at uh, what what ends up being a disease. You know what I mean? Like the song itself is more a matter of of uh, fear of being isolated. For at that time, I thought it was only going to be you know two weeks to a month. I'm like, what am I going to do with myself? You know what I mean?
0: Right. And a year later, but it's totally relatable. Like the lines are totally relatable, and I'm thinking. You know, it's it's some you can get a chuckle out of it, but you kind of go, yeah, man, we, we've been living this. Right. <laughs> yeah, Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's
1: it. Yeah, it was just and it, and it was one of those things where it literally uh, it just it just came out like it just it was written in one setting. It wasn't like it's something that was labored over. It was like line after line. It just came, it just came out. My wife, actually, she gets songwriting credit on it because she came oh. up with, with <laughs> she gets she came up with what I believe is the best line in the entire song.
0: What is that? Which one did she come up with?
1: She came up with with wrinkled hands and worry lines.
0: (laughs) Ah, yeah. Right
1: before... I had to six feet, might as well be a mile, and I'm yeah. like, "What's gonna? What am I gonna?" She's like, "Wrinkle hands and worry lines." I'm like, "You're a genius." Yeah, I knew I married you for a reason. Let's yeah. move to
0: Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> smile, smile lines turn to worry lines. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it was, it was pretty crazy. So yeah, so she, she came up with that line. So she gets full songwriting credit.
0: Right on. That's song. cool. So listen, um, we, you you alluded to, and we're talking tours, we're talking songs. You alluded to a little bit of the of the process earlier when we were talking and uh, I was thinking about, um, you know, as fans, we see your end product. We see you step on the stage. We see you step off the stage. Um, but there's obviously something that goes on all in behind there. And like you said, Hey man, I, I start getting ready like at 1130, but is there a, like, is there a process? What, just before you're hitting the stage are you guys chilling you're having a drink you're talking you're what what's uh you know what's leading up to the all right we're gonna go out there now and okay we're done let's get out of here like do you leave right away is there anything you 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 can impart on us in terms of that
1: i mean for me personally really about being as least prepared as i can be i know that sounds as
0: as least least prepared, prepared
1: you said yeah as least prepared yeah so um you know, when we did the, when I did the Seeger tour, the guys that were in the band I was touring with, uh, I would basically give them, we're playing on stage of 30,000 people. And uh, I don't, I never write set lists. Oh, wow. So like the other night that, that live stream, I think that live stream, I don't, I don't even think I did the whole show. I think I just did like the first two hours of the show. Uh, we played for like three and a half hours uh, and it's not a set list. It's I call them out as we go. If we if we're if you see us playing and, you know, we play one song and it kind of goes into another song. Right. Or we just yeah. go from one song, like in the middle of one song, we play a different song and then we go back into another out of the song. That's all real time. It's all real. It's mm-hmm. all 100 impro- percent improvised. Um, and so I don't I don't like to write set lists That being said You know Like when we were doing The Seager Tour I didn't write set lists They would They would I would like You know Yeah All right You know, I would My compromise was I would tell the band All right This is the first song We're gonna do What are we doing after that I'll let you know When we're up there
0: Is that and Is that just cause You're reading the crowd Or Or getting in the I'm just I, I don't like to say
1: Reading the crowd I like You know We're all there together mm you know what I mean? So, so we're all in that moment together. I'm just trying to be as as much a part of the moment as the as the audience. Cool. I'm trying to be. You know what I mean? I'm trying to. The, the whole energy and vibe is really dictating what's happening next. So, in my mind, so that that's why I, I like. I prefer to do it that way because then I'm, I'm. You know. How are they gonna be there with me if I'm not there with them? That's cool. So let's that's all true. fly by the seat of our pants and see what happens. Yeah. So
0: you're a fan. You're a fan with the fans of the fans and, and of the whole. experience. Yes, it's yeah, yeah. it's like we're all there
1: together, you know. So uh, that's my thing. I don't really do a lot of like. There's no pre-stage. I don't warm up vocally or anything like that. I just kind
0: of go out and do what's it. What's the What's the wind down after the show, Anthony? Uh,
1: usually, that involves. Um, Loading up a bunch of gear, loading, loading vans. Uh, I don't usually get to take a breather until, you know, uh, well after the van is loaded. It may be like I might have a Diet Coke like before I pull the van out of the out of the venue parking lot. You know, so that's that's pretty much it. Not a lot of rock and roll stuff. Rock and roll, true stories
0: happening in, uh, in the Rosano camp. Hey, by the way, we've now plugged the Scotia Bank Arena and Diet Coke. Just for the record, just for the oh, record. Okay, yeah. Yep. <laughs> We're not making anything off of this. For anybody else. If anybody, if Scotia Bank Arena or Diet Coke wants to send us something, hey, well, listen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Adidas. I gotta say, Adidas. Adidas so so i'm having fun here i i I consider myself a a music hobbyist and i'm gonna say hobbyist because i don't have the experience or knowledge to to call myself a musician and this is just so that that's a little bit of self-assessment here going on right i'm i'm self-taught at a little bit of guitar i've played some small-scale events um one of the first times i played in front of a live audience it was it was a charity event and I'm I'm singing and playing guitar and I'm trying to do ACDC's "Shook Me All Night Long" on an acoustic guitar, and and about a minute into the song, my pick goes flying out of my hand, <laughs> and yeah, it's and I'm thinking, oh my god, I I hadn't I didn't I was a ro- I'm a rookie I didn't think oh I should have some other picks close by, um so you know in case something happened, I, I don't have any and and but I, I'm trying to strum this you know shook me all night Long with my thumb and it's not working. So I keep singing while I'm thinking, how am I going to recover? Now, this is all happening like in a span of five seconds, really. Um, the crowd, Which bears-
1: seems like which seems like the whole gig when it, you're up on stage.
0: Totally. It was like, you know that movie Rockstar where the guy goes, he was flying down the stairs and it's like all yeah. slow. Like in my mind, it was like five minutes long, right? I'm looking out in the crowd. I, I can barely hear myself or them. <laughs> they, they're all, cons- but nobody really noticed. They're all consumed in all this other stuff that they're doing. That I don't think anybody, like, there was a few people off to the side that kind of noticed. And I had nobody with me. I'm I'm just me, me and my acoustic guitar. No no band or whatever. It's like it was kind of embarrassing. But I, at the end, I looked back and I don't know, man. Five seconds. It really wasn't that long. Has anything ever kind of like that ever happened to you at a live show for you or anything like that?
1: I mean, I think that stuff happens. I mean, it happens all the time, you know. Uh, it really does, especially you know the way that the way that we roll with with what we do. I mean, but yeah, I've had that. I've, I think I broke. I think it might have even been in Toronto. I broke a string first song in, in front of like thirty thousand people, and you just you know for me, I just adjust to keep going. Like right. I you know, I I my my right hand technique on guitar, I play with a pick, but I also use my fingers. Right. So and I switch back and forth, that's just my, my thing, you know, and I, and, um, it, part of it is deal with, you know, uh, you know, Muddy Waters didn't right. really use a pick. I mean, Muddy Water, you know, and that's, I've kind of, when I'm, it used to be, if I was playing a Muddy Waters song, I use my hand like Muddy Waters. And if I was playing, a uh, you know, uh, a song by Rory Gallagher, I used a pick because, I don't know. um, but really, you know, I've been on gigs where I'm like, I, you know, if I drop a pick, I'm like, well, I'm just going to play the rest of the song with my hands and see what it sounds like. Uh, see, the difference you know?
0: between a professional and a hobbyist, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: it's yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if it has to do with that. Maybe it just has to do with, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just uh, it's you know, what I would say it's it's the difference between being a professional and a hobbyist is uh it's not that professionals don't make mistakes. It's you know how to recover. Yeah. You're comfortable and you, and you can, and you can recover. And it's not that bro- professionals, you know, th- th- that's it. It's just, it's just the recovery. It's not getting into your own head so yep. much where you're worried about it. You know, um, I've listened, look, I've done, I did it the other night. I think on that live stream, I think I unplugged my own guitar like three times. Oh, and I was in that set.
0: You had said a couple of times, "Yeah, I'm having some some technical things going on here or whatever." But well, but, yeah, uh, that was a, that was our in
1: ear. We had an in ear monitor. Yeah, right? yeah. It was, yeah. There was something going on with that where it was lit, where we were playing, and you, you know, I got these earbuds in my ears, and that's how I'm hearing everything. And every time we would, the band would start playing and getting over a certain volume, Monitoring which was not band. a loud volume. It was You know what I mean? I mean, I could just start singing sometimes. It just sounded like white noise. In the in the in your monitor, so something was going on with the monitor rig. So I, I ended up just pulling them out. I'm like, I just I can I'll just pull them out and go old school and listen to what what's up, what's coming off the stage. And that's that'll that'll have to do me, but um, but yeah, so yeah, stuff like that happens. And you just roll with the punches and go and and you know, uh, just just make the best of. It's like anything else, man. I don't consider myself necessarily a great guitar player or or even any kind of good guitar player <laughs> right, or, right. or whatever or singer or anything. But I'm just I'm just who I'm just who I am just who i am just who I am. And I'm really at the end of the day, I'm just making the best with the tools I have available to me. You know what I mean? You I'm know, just doing the best that I
0: can with what I, with what my limited skill set is. So um so yeah, it's
1: the same that, thing. You know, that's I, a very I, common
0: just, uh that's a very common theme I hear from people who've had success in different in different um, um you know life uh, choices and career is that and you said it it's not necessarily the mistake that you make but it's what you do after you've made the mistake to recover and right. and and that you're you're performing as you no matter what and, and i hear it from business people anthony i hear it from sports people i'm hearing it from you as a, as a musician it's about training yourself to figure out how do i recover and 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 what happens after that so, so some key insight there consistent key insight right
1: yeah, yeah, it's well, good to hear. I'm, 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 i maybe, maybe uh, on, on to
0: something. I, it might be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was telling the kid, my kids here. I said, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna be uh, talking to Anthony Rosano and, and of the Anthony Rosano and the Conquerous. And it came up, and they're like, um, what's the what's a conqueror? <laughs> and so, how where did the Conquerous come from? Uh, and and well, I guess name, and who are they?
1: <laughs> okay, well, the name the name Conqueros when, when back, you know, we're talking about Right before I, I decided Hey, I'm going to do this full time, right um, I was I was Playing in a top 40 band I was writing some songs And I demoed some songs And it was just me playing a bunch of instruments Right, and, and putting stuff out On the internet, like on social media And stuff, and just to see if people would like it You know um, And people did so then I was like, well, wow, I got to do like a website or something. I got to get, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to start, maybe I'm going to really start doing this. So I didn't have a band at the time and I, I didn't want it to be, you know, uh, Anthony Rosano, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I didn't like the idea of being uh, a solo artist. I was, I was romanticized about <laughs> the band thing. Right. So um, I came up with a, you know, the, the Conqueros thing. So and the conkerus. So what a conkeru is, it's a line from a Muddy Waters song from Hoochie uh, Coochie Man. Yeah. Uh, and and what it is, is there's a, uh, the, the blues guys and guys that practice hoodoo. Yeah. They would have what was called their mojo hand. Mojo hand is like a flannel bag. And they would put like their talisman, you know, all their good luck talisman stuff in there. Yeah. Black hat bone and all this stuff, right? right. Yeah. And one of the things that was common was John the Conqueror root,
2: <sighs>
1: which over time it just got shortened to. The In the muddy water song, Coochie Coochie, man, he says, "I got my John the Conqueror root." Right. And then over to, it was just my I've got my Conqueror. So what the root is is um, uh, it's it's from from what my, my from what my research suggests. Is that uh, (laughs) uh, if you if you have this and you're going into court, um, you you turn it into a powder, you put it in your mouth, spit it on the Florida courtroom when you walk in, and you will be acquitted of all charges. Ah. That was that's one of that's one of the things.
0: So you have you have roots in the Conquerors is what it comes down to. Yeah,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: Yeah, right on. And so who are the Conquerors?
1: Uh, well, there's there's a there, at this point in time there is a long list of kangaroos. So uh, the original band was a, I had a guy named uh, Sugar D playing drums, and uh, my buddy Paul Warren was playing bass guitar, uh, and a guy named Jack Campbell on harmonica. Uh, by the time we got to doing the second record, the lineup had changed. Uh, I had a guy named uh, Scott Smith playing drums and a guy named Jeremy Bustios playing harmonica and saxophone. Uh, Currently, the Conquerors are a guy named uh, Kyle McCormick on drums and uh, Jake Fultz on bass guitar. And we're really doing the trio thing quite frequently, occasionally having somebody come in and sit in. Like, I might have a keyboard player. Sit in as a fourth. I might have another guitar player sit in as a fourth. But most of what we're doing now, um, because of because of COVID, you know, yeah. you know, capacities are smaller, so um, venues can't afford. That, I mean, that's this is really how it started. You yeah. know, venues really can't afford to have a bunch of people in there. We, you know, I got back from the Seeger tour, and I was doing some shows where I had uh, a drummer, bass player uh saxophone player, wow. trumpet trumpet player, harmonica, percussion, uh Hammond B3 and myself. So it was like an 8-piece band. You know, I was doing some shows like that, which was cool. Um but you know, I can't go into a room that only holds 200 people now with an 8-over eight, eight band. With yeah, with an 8-piece band it's not going to work. So we've scaled everything down to this lean mean uh, trio machine and um, I'm kind of enjoying that oh, quite a bit too, you know, because it's, you know, again, I, I love cream and I love the Jimmy head experience and I love grand funk and I love James gang. And a lot of those kind of bands are big influences on me too. So it's, it's been sort of cool to flex that muscle, you know, as, a, as I, I, I used to hate saying power trio, but we're getting, so we're having so much fun playing and these guys are such great players that I actually like saying power trio. You you,
0: you, did, I mean? <laughs> you did. I mean, like I was watching and, and Kyle and Jake were, were, were awesome um, Friday night there. And you, and I said to you, you guys look like you're having fun. Like I, I, I think we talked earlier today and I said, man, yeah. you let you look like you're having fun. so.
1: Yeah, I, we definitely do. I mean, they're great. They're great guys to hang with. They do their homework and, you know, to their credit, man, I mean, uh, I throw a lot of stuff at them. <laughs> I do, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it, I don't want to say that I'm a horrible band leader, but maybe in that respect, I'm a horrible band leader because I'm always like, like, we'll be on the way to a gig. i would be like, hey, did you ever hear this song? Oh, what is that? Oh, it's Day of the Eagle by Robert Trower. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we're going to play that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're playing that tonight, you know, or whatever. Uh, awesome. um, so, yeah. So, and, and these guys, you know, they can hang, man. They can do it. They're, they're immensely talented cats. So, and all, you know, all the guys that I've, that I've had the, the good fortune to play with, man. I mean, they're all, they're all good, good players, man. So. Yeah.
0: They're, they're solid. And I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that. I, now, listen, I didn't spend a lot of time on, like, I mean, we, we mentioned Bob Seger a few times by name and, and the fact that you opened or whatever, but, um, what? How did you? How did you land? Uh, you know, opening for Seeger and and and. Um, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about it earlier, um, but was there any interaction with you with him and you that that you can share that was kind of special in this whole thing? Or. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, um, well, what do you? What you I mean, you, the interaction with him. I mean, he was he was the first time that I really got to interact with him was here in Virginia Beach. That was the first show that we did. Uh, it was Virginia Beach Amphitheater. And, um I go I go there they' the the um they're they're introducing me to everybody backstage um and Karen is who is his uh uh hospitality coordinator um, she she um introduced me to the production manager and all these guys the stage manager and production manager sits me down and he's like he's like hey he's like I oh, have a seat here man he's like you know I uh, <laughs> Bob's gonna be here any minute. He's like, I know he wants to meet you. I'm like, what? You know what I mean? Like that's that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um. Side story. Go through this whole. You know, I wasn't. You know, I was using their sound guy to do my stuff, and they had this whole joke uh, with the sound guy. That they were telling a sound guy for weeks. They were emailing him saying their name was Mervin, who was <laughs> supposedly my sound guy. So the production manager's like, "Yeah, your sound guy Mervin's been 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 emailing Paul and telling him he needs all this ridiculous stuff, like these crazy mics da, 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 for your show." He's like, "He's got them really twisted." So I'm like, "Dude, I, I don't have a sound man, Mervin. Like, that's not my sound guy. I was I was going to use your guy if that's cool." Who was Paul, you know, the guy who they're, who they're winding up. So he, he says, I know it's Calvin, our our monitor engineer. He's emailing him, telling him he's yours. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me, right? is like before the first show. He's like, you got to go along with it. So I said, OK. So uh, Bob Seeger comes in, you know, I, I read it and i'm nervous of course because now i'm like man i don't want to sound like we're playing in a tin can you know <laughs> so uh bob Seeger comes in he walks in and he he walked right up and he's like anthony man he's like good to meet you buddy puts his hand I shake my hand he's like man i've been watching two videos or they're you know stuff if we're gonna rock just really look to it and i was completely floored like sorry sorry anthony floored. anthony I had
0: another we had another little blip there so oh. he says he, uh, you left off uh, he said you he was looking forward to it, maybe pick it up there
1: oh yeah he just he said he says yeah I'm looking forward to it man he says we're really gonna rock this place and and I was like my jaw was literally on the floor you know I just shook (laughs) this rock legend's hand and he's looking forward to to seeing the show and uh it was just great. I mean, and, awesome. and, and his whole band, his whole band was very, very cool to us, very good to us. His whole crew was very good to us, very good to, you know, nice to it. I mean, it was just, it really was a, a family atmosphere. I still talk to all to a lot of those guys. You know, they're still, they've maintained, it, it literally, like, I legitimately made friends with people on that tour. Um, and they were, again, they were, you know, we ate dinner with these people, That's you cool. know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, "Hey, you're the opening band, go," right? You know, go away.
0: Um, That's good to hear. We, you know, I, I I'm glad it wasn't just a transaction. That there's a relationship there. I, I always I always appreciate hearing stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he he is Bob is Bob Seger is is 100 real. Um, you know, he's just he's just a super super cool guy. And down to Earth, I didn't get any rock star nonsense vibe from anybody that was on that was on you know with with his band with the crew with anybody they were all just super super cool people, and they all appreciated the fact that they get to do what they do uh like it was you know they they've been taken for granted, you know what I mean there's no prima donna stuff I and mean, it was just super cool i mean it was really inspiring. To me, to see uh, uh, that many people, you know, you have 60 people all working together and, you know, they break each other's chops and there might be something here. Or, you know, this one gets a little not bent out of shape, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a work. It is a work environment. So, you know, you might have somebody. But for the most part, man, I mean, I mean, 99.9 percent of the time, I would say 100 percent of the time. I'm only I'm only saying that other part because I'm sure it happens. I didn't see anything on that tour. Where it was like, Oh, this one's the, when you're, everybody did their part. Dude. It was over. Boom. Everybody gets to work and they do it with a smile. And it was just, I mean, they were just professional bunch of people that I've, that I've had the experience of being around. And I'm like, if they could do it on this level, there's no reason you can't do that on the level that I'm at. You know what I mean? Everybody should be happy. If you ain't smiling, Doing what you're doing, you're doing the wrong thing, you know.
0: Lessons to be learned from Anthony Rosano and Bob Seger to it, man. I love it. So what? What's next for Anthony Rosano and the Conquerors? Albums, projects, eventual COVID-free tours, merch. What's What's on? Uh, the... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm work, I'm in the studio now, working on a, a bunch of songs.
1: We've got six down. Um, Kyle and Jake got, went into the studio with me, and we're we're laying some stuff down at. Uh, some of it was written, you know, uh, while I was on tour with Seeger, most of it was written sort of post-COVID. Um, you know, these guys kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit, and, you know, they're eating up anything that I throw out of ideas, and, and helping me actually realize some stuff that I wasn't able to necessarily realize before, you know, as far <laughs> as musically, so... Um, yeah, we're in the studio now. We're, we're we're recording stuff. I was there this morning doing some doing some vocal stuff. Um, looking to put something out soon. Awesome. Um, and then yeah, you know, I've got some stuff. I'm going up to Maryland. Like traveling up to Maryland in May. I've got some. I got a few road things booked. Um, I think people are still, uh, you know, not sure what's going to happen. You know, as far as any kind of tours or anything. Uh, i know there's some things that are popping but um i'm looking forward to getting out there and getting on the road and getting getting in front of people again so yeah i mean just just sort of playing it day by day and looking forward to releasing some new music for people
0: i'm looking forward to that maybe we'll we'll get a chance to hear that and uh and maybe i can find a way to get you back up here in uh in my neck of the woods up here in canada in, in just north of toronto even
1: yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do it.
0: So, listen, I I can't thank you enough for all this time. But I I have one more. I usually end things off with a, a little bit of a rapid fire type of thing, where I okay. say a word or two, and and uh, um you know you say something that comes to mind. I know I've kept you a long time here, and I really appreciate your time. Are, are you up for doing doing four or five of these little items? Or oh uh, yeah, sure, dude, sure. All right. So I'm, gonna, I'm sorry.
1: I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. Don't feel like you're taking up my time. I know I'm pretty. I give pretty pretty wordy answers, and honestly, it's because I haven't really been out of the house in a year.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey <laughs> me, me neither. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. Like you know what? I I think I think my podcasting that started last last fall, October. Uh, part of it was. I, I'm looking for new projects, <laughs> and, and 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 I, I you know, I, I wanted to talk to people and help people out throughout COVID. And I thought, well, what? How else can I help them? Because obviously, my music isn't going to be one of the avenues. But but if I can help them relate to a bunch of different things, and and have them use this as a tool for for uh, coming out of COVID or coping with COVID or, or whatever, just even after COVID, and yeah. by all means. So all right, so I'm going to fire this off to you. Your favorite guitar.
1: Uh, changes day to day, but right now it's a three way tie. It's a uh, Gibson Firebird. My wife uh, got me for my birthday uh, a couple years ago, nice. a, uh, custom made, uh, gold top, uh, guitar, uh, made by a guy here in Norfolk, Virginia called Worth guitars. They're great guitars. Check them out online. Worth USA. A okay. little plug there. Yeah. Uh, and a pine body Telecaster, Nice. That was made for me by a guy named Michael Reese, who has uh, a guitar shop in Hampton, Virginia, called Boulevard Guitars. Check them out too. He builds he builds uh, exceptional instruments.
0: So Boulevard Boulevard Guitars, got it. Guitars, yeah. Now, do you still have your uh, your first, very first guitar?
1: I do not, and <sighs> I've been I've been on a search on Reverb and all across the interwebs looking for it. If anybody has a blue. Area Pro Two SL uh, Stratocaster guitar. I may be interested in purchasing it because I, I want it. I want. I, I I traded it. I it was it was like a super fat guitar. Yeah. Um. That that uh. And I traded it an idiot for one. of those like guitars when I was a kid? To somebody else.
0: Man, y'all. I always hear yeah. that. I always hear about that, and I was wondering. Ah, oh, do you, you still have your first one? And, and and more times than not, it seems we don't. But
1: no i wish i would i wish i would have yeah. kept it I, I want one just to have you know just to have it but um but yeah so that's it, it was an airy pro 2 sl i'm
0: gonna start searching um <laughs> how about <laughs> how about life without music
1: uh life without music would be torture that would be torture yeah that'd be torture now i could imagine that you
0: you you didn't feel well earlier this year and i think you stopped playing for a little bit right but but you're all good now right yeah, I had to take, I had to take a break.
1: I, I had a, um, uh, it was a heart. well, it was, yeah, it was a heart scare. I thought I was, thought I had a heart attack, but I didn't. I actually, what I did was I had a esophageal spasm and, uh, it tweaked, uh, the vagus nerve. Oh wow! So it, it threw my heart off. Yeah. It, it, I just, uh, I was putting stuff together in a studio for doing live streaming, like building a set basically in my garage and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just, I I took a drink, a cold drink and, uh, it was really cold and I was really hot at the time and it threw my esophagus into spasm and, uh, twisted and hit my vagus nerve and it threw my heart into, into, uh like it basically i didn't have a heart attack per se but i didn't have a pulse
0: a bit of an arrhythmia i will say yeah
1: like it's <laughs> it just my heart rate went way down uh my my oxygen levels were fine but my but just the heart rate i think i was down to like uh if if i if i remember correctly uh like my it was maybe 40 over 70. oh wow or so, yeah it was pretty it was they thought it was all, I did a whole bunch of tests and, you know, everything was fine. So they said that's what, pretty much what they think it was.
0: Things that will happen when you drink water. Uh, how, about, yeah. uh, <laughs> how about how about COVID-19, Anthony? Enough already. Yeah.
1: yeah, enough already. Let's, you know, every COVID-19, everybody wear your mask, get vaccinated when you can. Let's get let's get over this.
0: There you go. Get vaccinated and wear your mask. I agree with you. OK, uh, last one. Family.
1: Uh, it's the most important thing. Absolutely the most important thing in, in somebody's life. It should be, should be, that should be your priority. Um, that's your real team, hmm.
0: you know? Couldn't agree more. And I like how you framed it as, as that's your, that's your team, right? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, that's, man, that's it. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, to leave us with, uh, with us as we wind the, wind this segment down then?
1: Uh, man, no, I'd just like to say thank you for having me, man. I I look forward to getting back to Canada and, 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 uh, you know, maybe we, can, maybe we can go grab a cup of coffee or something when I'm there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if there's anybody out there, man, I mean, just please everybody be cool to each other, man. Let's there's, there's so much, this, this world has gotten so heated uh, quite a bit in the last year. I think we need to, you know, give it all a break. Let's all try and be cool to each other, man. And, uh, let's let's make it through and and let's let's make this world uh you know i don't know man it's, it's just just put that fuse out put that fuse out and let's just yeah. all be cool to each other
0: i agree that that fuse is burning a little too harsh so i am with you listen thank you for being on the show um i know the audience and i both appreciate all the insights and the stories um i learned something i'm sure that others have too from this chat this is Anthony Rosano of Anthony Rosano and the Conquerors, accomplished blues, rock artist, billboard artist, iTunes chart topper, and more, much more. Check it out, AnthonyRosano.com. The links to Anthony's sites and media will be available on the podcast notes. And um let's rock out the session.
3: Chasing your taillights. While this broken heart of my mind tries to read between your lies, it all keeps on adding up. Honey, I had enough of being your good time. confused girl i know i'm being used feeling so good i don't want to put on no fight it all keeps on and up honey i had enough of being your good time Let it all
0: tune from anthony rosano and anthony rosano and the conquerors heard here on the go on with guido podcast thank you so much for doing that uh, with us and for us anthony and all the best wishes uh with that brand new song and now before we get to our next segment uh with kathy nesbitt and uh, her chat with us on composting with worms and international compost awareness week a quick word from one of our uh, sponsors, Recipes at My Table. Lots of free stuff on this blog and lots of good information. Have a listen,
6: folks. Recipes at My Table is a work of family, love of food, and sharing of stories. The stories keep the memories alive and make every day a party in my kitchen. Join me for the sharing of traditional Italian recipes and so much more. Visit me at www com.
0: I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Kathy Nesbitt, founder of Kathy's Crawley Composters. Kathy is also a multi-award-winning environmental invader, working to motivate people towards living a more sustainable life. Her mission is to put worms into every living space, and today we're going to find out a little bit more about that, and I guarantee you even more. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thanks for being here, which is a very special treat, given that May 2nd to 8th is International Compost Week, and I have here with us a compost specialist. How are you today?
5: Thank you, Guido. I'm I'm excited to be here. I'm happy to be on your podcast. I'm doing great. Yes, thank you.
0: That's awesome. And I understand, Kathy, you live in Bradford, Ontario, right?
5: Yes, I do. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. How's
5: How's the weather in Bradford today? we had a great day beautiful sunny day it's a little cloudy now but yep yeah, good spring is spring is here and we're ready to where we survived the winter guido Did you, have <laughs> you have you been getting any
0: of those little bouts of snow and hail the the last little while or uh,
5: we have but they're just reminders that you know oh yeah just remember you're in canada <laughs> snow can come at any time <laughs>
0: So, so, Kathy, given that it's International Compost Week from May 2nd to 8th, and I didn't know that till you said, hey Guido, by the way, and so thank you for the by the way, um, mm. we're in a COVID-19 pandemic, like you don't know that. Um, are there still uh, awareness and education events happening, maybe online, etc., with respect to it being International Compost Week?
5: yes absolutely there's there's all kinds of uh, gardening events going online we've really adapted well january till say april may uh in canada is cd saturday sunday season <laughs> that's a mouthful cd <laughs> cd will sa- uh, say that again cd cd saturday sunday season
0: cd saturday sunday season. okay all right Four and
5: it's all about gardening and heritage heirloom plants and vegetables. Huh. So, you know those those tomatoes that our grandparents and great grandparents grew. Yes, right. That you can't get anymore, and the different lettuces and different just the different vegetables. Um, so these seeds are are saved by uh, the seed savers, and so there was all kinds of those events online, and and I actually spoke at many of them.
0: That's neat, and I I think I think when you're saying. The ones our grandparents. We're talking taste. We're talking when a tomato tastes like a tomato, right?
5: Absolutely. It's yes. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so I uh, and um, I'll, I'll You have a website. Do you uh, link some of these events on your website?
5: I have a beautiful events page. Uh, my oh, awesome. my husband is my web guy. It's the nineteenth anniversary or anniversary of my great green business. And yes, my website is blissfully up to date because my husband is my web guy. Hallelujah.
0: Uh, Well, hey, it's good to have a a tech person available to you like that. I'm going to mention your site, I think, at the end and several times throughout, probably. Um, (laughs) But uh, you're free to do that as well. And then maybe we can um, educate people and and give those links so that they can participate in some of those events. uh, Because we do want them to have those very nice tomatoes. Um, (laughs) So you you mentioned 19th anniversary. And I'm thinking, uh, as I was reading through some of your materials, it sounds like almost 20 years ago you started... A worm adventure with Kathy's Crawley composters. Now, how did the worm idea start? What, I mean, what made you think, "Hey, I'm going to start working with worms"? Did it start with worms, or did it start somewhere else and lead to worms? Like, how did this, uh, how did this kind of start and take off? <laughs>
5: It kind of became because our landfill closed for the greater Toronto area in 2002. Ah. And I mean, it was coming before that. But when the landfill closed, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is indoor composting with worms. You know, we started shipping garbage to Michigan in 2002. I don't know if you knew. No. From the Toronto area, Um, you know, almost 200 garbage trucks were making the trip trip to Michigan every day. Wow. Wow. A thousand trucks a week. Yikes. Oh, my gosh. And I used to say, I mean, I still do shame on us as Canadians for shipping our garbage out of the country country, and double shame on the Americans for accepting our garbage for cash. So, do you does that still are you aware does that still happen, uh, Kathy? Uh, no, we weren't able to site a landfill at the time. There has been uh, progress in that area. We are still exporting a lot of right. um, more commercial commercial waste gets exported. Residential is managed um, in a place near London now.
0: So, you wanted to basically contribute to a problem back back then that that has uh, continued in different ways, and and the way that you you were going to tackle it was with worms.
5: Absolutely. Yes. So in the again back to Toronto, you know, in the Greater Toronto Area, 6 million people, half living in condos, townhouses without access, you know, without outdoor space for composting right. or access to the green bin. And my business is pre-green bin. We didn't have a green bin in 2002. Right.
0: You're yeah. making me think, you know, I I used to live in Toronto. I used to live in the in the Davisville Area and for the for the folks who aren't from the GTA listening and and whatnot, it's I guess it's sort of mid mid Toronto, if you will, I suppose. But I lived in an apartment and we just had a garbage chute. That's all we had. And so we there was no recycling whatsoever. I think at the time,
5: many uh, buildings are still the same. Yeah,
0: it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. So so you started with you thought I'm going to do something with worms, and and um, it it started because of the garbage issue. Now, what do worms actually do when it comes to compost? What's their what's the value in putting and I might be saying this wrong, by the way, is there value in putting them into the compost? Is that what you do Or, or are they part of some sort of compost organic
5: system? Yeah, both. So, so there's a few ways that you can use the worms. If you live in a house, and you have uh, outdoor space, you can you can add them to your outdoor composter. Absolutely, the worms will do the turning. They'll speed up the process and create a finer product. What I'm really promoting is indoor composting. Again, back to the, all the people in condos. Right. This is a beautiful thing for indoor composting for people that live in condos that don't have space for outdoor. This is it's it's a it's a beautiful thing, and we can talk about how it works. Okay. Mm. You want me to go ahead and talk about that now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm intrigued by this. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure out, and I'm thinking, you know, I didn't have a lot of space living in that in my little apartment, so. I, and now you're telling me to bring worms in the house. So, <laughs> what?
5: How does that? How does that work? Yeah. So any container will do. I do happen to have a beautiful um, system called the Living Composter. It's made in Ontario. It doubles as a stool, so um, it doesn't. You know, if somebody is space challenged, you have a small apartment or a small condo, a small business, um, you could easily um, take out one of your chairs and use the chair as your composter, which manages your food scraps and paper. (laughs) So let me talk about how it works.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, so did I hear this right? You said it's a stool.
5: Yes, like a chair.
0: Like a chair. So the worms are inside the chair. Okay, got it.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so there's two trays, and uh, there's holes in the bottom of each tray, and then there's a basin at the bottom to collect liquid. So the worms require a carbon-nitrogen mix, so the carbon is shredded paper, And the nitrogen is the food scraps, so your peelings from the kitchen—banana peels, uh, potato peels, coffee, tea, pasta, rice—you know, all of those kind of things. Um, And the worms eat both, and their their poop, or you know, the the yeah, their poop is the is the compost. That's the black gold. And when we put that back into the garden, then our plants grow. It's in a form that the plants can take the nutrients up into its roots.
0: Wow. And 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 so you're putting this stuff into the stool. Now, how long does it take for them to to digest the scraps and, and, and produce stuff like will this will the chair get full quickly? Or I or I guess that depends on how much you're putting in there, but what's the what's the turnover rate? If is it maybe there's a different term that you would have, but it was there a turnover rate?
5: Turnover, I like it. The worms are turning the stuff yeah. over. I like it. Thank you. We <laughs> Uh, so there's two trays so you start with one tray and then once the tray fills up then you add the second tray on top there's holes in the bottom it's about a month and a half to two months per tray Um, and then you 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 don't wait for everything to be finished in the first tray everything's going it's full you add the next tray and then the worms uh, migrate up through the holes Um. to the next tray and they leave behind their black gold. So you don't have to be hands on with the worms. Anybody that's listening, thinking, "Ooh, worms, don't don't worry. You don't have to touch the worms. You don't have to be hands on. You never have to touch the worms. Well, well, you not. I wouldn't say never, but you don't really have to be intimate with the worms, you know. And, and if you have <laughs> kids, the kids love it.
0: They do. They
5: do. Mm. So do you have to keep adding
0: more worms or do they sort of self-sustain in there?
5: Great question. No, um, the worms, they reproduce more than rabbits. I don't know why rabbits got all the (laughs) glory, probably because they're cute. (laughs) So the worms will reproduce. um, They they have a phenomenal reproduction, let's just say that. But they will only reproduce. You would never be overrun with worms. They reproduce to fill their environment based on available space and available food. They're (laughs) they're
0: smart enough to to live within their their means and space
5: within their means that's what we need to learn yes yeah
0: i was going to say a lesson for for man for humankind right
5: <laughs> yes
0: yeah um so that's kind of interesting that um so they're self-sustaining and um so i guess eventually some of them kind of naturally just die off in there too
5: yes absolutely okay. so once once they you know if they, if you if you have a worm bin and you're like oh my gosh i have so many worms <laughs> They will, they will, um, at that point, you could take some out and add, start a new bin. The worms that you took out will replenish and then they'll, they'll, <laughs> the ones that you added to the new bin will fill that space. Um, so yes, the adults start dying off to make room for the babies.
0: Wow. Just this little system within within the system itself. Now, we're talking about composting and, uh, you know, uh, the, the benefits of that and doing it uh, indoors into the smaller spaces. Now, do you consider yourself a worm farmer? Uh, do you own fields of worms? Like, where do the worms come from?
5: <laughs> yeah, good question. <laughs> From the stork, we do Yeah, so um, it's indoor. So, so especially in Canada, the, there's, here are the key elements. So, I do have. I do consider myself a worm farmer, oh. and I do. I do consider all of my clients are worm farmers. Also, every time somebody sets up a worm bin, now you're a worm farmer, right? Now you're taking oh. care of that creature. And they're going to reproduce, and you're going to feed them. They're going to create soil. So, yes, it's just creating the right environment. Where do they come from? They actually reproduce. They have eggs. And worms are hermaphrodites. I'm going to blow your mind for a second. All right, no problem. A little bit of worm biology. In a simple little worm, they have five hearts. Um, They're hermaphrodites, meaning male and female. Um, Once they've mated, um, they both create a cocoon or a worm egg. Mm -hmm. Up to 20 babies in each egg. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal, the the wonderful fun facts. And it's a beautiful thing for, again, again with the, the children, it's a beautiful thing for people that have their kids at home. Um, you know, online learning for school, this is a hands-on. You can't be on your smartphone when you have your hands in the worm poop. Right. Now, <laughs> you, you mentioned school. Have any
0: of the schools, uh, have you worked with any of the schools or have any of the schools adopted some of this?
5: Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I guess it's about 75,000 students have seen my, my wow. wonderful worm presentation. Yes. I, you know, I started my worm business in 02, and I was like, oh, everybody needs worms. <laughs> and then I realized people were afraid of worms. And I was like, hmm, how am I going to put worms in every living space if people are afraid? And I started to do because. school workshops, and it's so beautiful. Having a worm bin in the class, I mean, you know, it's different during COVID, but yeah. um, when when school goes back um having a worm bin in the in the classroom some of the s- teachers have reported some of the students will eat better because they want to feed the worms but ah, they don't. Cool. Right? <laughs> Yahoo! Yeah.
0: yeah they're eating they're eating the scraps that they could put into the into the compost smart
5: right and they don't yeah. eat chips or they don't eat yeah. cheese strings
0: no so so kathy what if someone says hey this is a great idea i want to do that what do you do for them? Do you go in and set up the, the worm composting farm? Do you size it? Like, are there different sizes of these stools or anything like that? Like, will you do a consult or how does that work?
5: <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so I, I help people out. My website has, as I said, it's blissfully up to date. I have tons of videos. Um, I really just ship out the the composter. It's re- it re- kind of like mixing up a cake. You just add water, mix it up. Um add the worms in and then you start feeding it's you know the the uh, living composter it comes in one size four delightful colors so oh. you can kind of get more than one system or you know if you if people wanted to do their own system, do their own thing they could get like a rubbermaid container and then i have videos on my website how to set up the bedding it's very simple um you know we want to micromanage everything don't you find
0: yeah i guess i guess you're right we do
5: you know like if you look at the worms in the in the nature you can't see them because they're underground but you know nobody's tending to the forest nobody's looking after the forest soil the forest creatures all the worms the microbes the bacteria all of those little creatures are looking after the soil that's what we have to do once once we feed the soil compost awareness week so if we feed the soil the soil will take care of the plants for us right it gives back to us right
0: Absolutely. Mm. So is this, uh, uh, and I, I'm going to use the word, ex- is this a, a an expensive solution? Um, and, and everybody has a different uh, idea of what expensive is. But frame for us what, you know, if I want to do like one or two of these types of stools, what am I looking at?
5: Well, before I answer if it's expensive, it's expensive for us not to do this. And I know, you know, we have this climate crisis happening right yeah. now. And food waste, managing food waste is one of the ways that we can mitigate climate change. Imagine not having to truck around all this organic waste you know fossil fuels in the trucks the, the, the scraps don't wait till they get to the composting facility to, to break down so they're off gassing methane all the way right so it's so for expensive we it's it's costing us not to do this but the cost for the living composter to answer your question <laughs> yeah it, uh, for with half a pound of worms oh gosh I think it's too. Two ten, and with a pound of worms, it's two twenty-five or two thirty, maybe. I'm not, sorry, I shouldn't have these prices. That's okay. That's okay. And we
0: have we have a website to reference. It gives people a, a reference point. But I yeah. think I think to your point, even when you're when you're talking about that cost, and you start thinking about the cost of not doing it, you know, there's things that that we do, and maybe we might not see it immediately today, but we've talked a lot about kids and and the future. And and how this impacts their future too. So it's it's not just a today investment, this is a long term investment that we're that we're making, right?
5: Right. So back to my when I started nineteen years ago, yeah. um, you know, my goal was to put worms in every living space, Guido, and I think imagine if every school adopted this nineteen years ago, mm. those children would be graduating knowing that once they eat an apple core, it goes in the worm bin. Or once yeah. I eat an apple, the core, the goes, core in the goes in the worm bin. Like, where's the worm bin? Yeah. You just toss it in. It's not a, you know, it's not a question of what I do with this. It's you add it into the worm bin. That's where it goes. Well, thank but you we're, for we're not there yet.
0: <laughs> no, as I was to say thank you for 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 sticking with this for almost twenty years now, um, and uh, and helping the environment out and educating people along the way. Now I, I have to ask you just just a little fun thing here. Have you been given a nickname by chance because of the worm thing or?
5: My working title is Kathy Crawley Laughing Bean Queen. Wow. And and to, just uh, pre- briefly to explain, the Crawley part is the worms. Yeah. Kathy Crawley Laughing is, I'm, I'm a laughter yoga teacher. You might have noticed I laugh a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and and I also have a sprouting business. And so I, I really believe, you know, at one time I was like, what the heck are these three options that I'm offering people? It's so random. <laughs> <laughs> but now I know these are, th- are just simple things things that this is how i live my life these are simple sustainable ways that if everybody did what i do the world would be a much better place
0: it sounds like you found your passion uh with this uh, kathy and you're sharing it with the rest of the world so thank you for that any any other thoughts before we uh, bring this uh, home
5: i just want to invite everyone to my laughter class on tuesday mornings it's free laughter yoga is the best medicine i know we didn't really talk about that no. but it's uh yeah tuesday mornings at nine thirty. it's i yeah it's tuesday mornings at 9 30 on zoom um and just everybody's welcome and it's just laughing for no reason it's not yoga it's just called laughter yoga it's the breath the intentional breath and, you know, I talked about the climate crisis. We're having a mental health crisis at this time. We are. And laughter is helping us. Laughter is helping us raise the vibration so we can feel better.
0: Thank you for those additional insights. I'm going to have to talk to you offline about the laughter class. Gets a little bit more information on that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for doing this with us, Kathy. It's It's been more than informative. Um, and you've given us a, a lot to, to think about in terms of, of worms and accepting them into our home. So... There you have it, folks. Worm Composting with Kathy Nesbitt. She can be reached at kathy at Composters.com. The website is kathyscomposters.com. And her phone numbers are 905-775-9495 or toll free at one 775 I'll have all of the contact information in my podcast notes.
5: Thanks again, Kathy. Thank you, Guido.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Chase. Introducing Chasers Fresh Juice, a local business in Toronto. We've been in business for over 20 years, initially supporting our local Toronto area and now servicing all of Canada. Chaser provides fresh organic juices, ingredients, including citrus zest, dehydrated garnishes, and fresh citrus peels to enhance any cocktail or recipe you can think of. We have successfully supplied restaurants, distilleries, crop breweries, and bakeries across the country. Reach out to orders at chasersjuice.com for any questions you may have. We are a customized fresh juice company, and I'm sure we can help you. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Richard, from Chasers Juice. Folks, if you call Richard and put in an order, and you say, Richard, I heard the promo code. Chaser's Fresh Juice 21 on the Go On with Guido podcast, he's going to give you 15% off your order. That's Chaser's Fresh Juice 21 heard here on the Go On with Guido podcast, and Richard's going to give you 15% off your order. It's good juice. I've tried it, I love it. His ice pops are good too. Talk to him about that if you get a chance. All right. So this is the part of the podcast where I usually tell you a little bit of a, a story that has to do with some past experience or, or maybe uh, a recent experience, but, but a true experience nevertheless. And so today I thought, yeah, you know, what, I'm going to tell you a recent experience, but I'm also going to get uh, some folks to help me out. So let me explain. I uh, recently got the uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccine and I received the, the Pfizer variation. Um, my experience was that, um, you know, I booked online using the online booking system. I qualified because of the, the area that uh, I reside in is uh, deemed a hot zone. Uh, and I was able to, uh, using, you know, your help we you punched in my health card number and I was able to select the location and, and I was presented with a, a calendar for, for time. Um, uh, and I was able to book it and I ended up going to this location. It's called the hangar. It's uh, down in, in, uh, um, you know, the Toronto area and, um, I arrived there. There was lots of parking. Um, everybody, uh, you know, was wearing masks. They greeted you. Uh, I showed my identification. I went through a series of, of uh, you know, windows where I would uh, fill in a, a, you know, a validation sheet. Um, continued to show my my identification throughout the whole thing, and and eventually they kind of lead you to uh, to a nurse. Um, and then the nurse gave me the the needle. I didn't even feel it to be honest. It was. Uh, Uh, A non-event. She was done before I said, oh, yeah, okay, you're done. Great. Um, And then I went and sat in a little waiting area where the chairs were, I think, almost eight feet apart. And um, in doing that, I waited my 15 minutes, I followed the directions on the card, and then I was able to proceed with a checkout. And they gave me my little receipt of of the vaccine that I had received, and and I was on my merry way. Um, I'm going to tell you, the place was extremely clean. Uh, there was they were cleaning all over the place and, and they were constantly cleaning and at one point you know I, I was watching the, the the folks with the Lysol containers and it was like watching the, the 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 ball runners on a on a tennis game you know they run out and they grab the ball and then they run back really quick but these folks would just come out of nowhere and, and you know somebody got up from a chair and they'd wipe it all down and they'd turn it around so it was ready for use again and and they'd be gone and next time you see them they're in another area cleaning another chair but the, the whole area was very clean. I was very comfortable. Um, I, I didn't have any, any fears about uh, getting the shot. It didn't hurt. Um, and uh, certainly the location uh, was convenient and everybody was very friendly. Uh, in terms of uh, post reactions, uh, the only thing that hurt was the area where I got the shot in my arm it hurt uh, maybe for an extra day and a half or so, and it, it really just felt like I got punched in the arm a little bit. Um, but that's it. I didn't have, uh, thankfully, any other uh, side effects or or any other uh, symptoms that I can tell you about. Um, and so, what I thought would be interesting is, you know what? Just you don't have to just take my word for it. I thought I would uh, ask uh, some folks who I uh, understood got the uh, their their vaccine. Um, and, and there might be different variations of, of what they receive, different shots and different experiences. And I thought I would, um, have them tell us what their experience was like. So I'm going to cue that up and I'll have a, have a listen to that. And then I'll meet you on the other end. All right, uh, folks, I've got Rosanna and Shannon. Thanks for doing this with us. Uh, wh- where do you guys live? Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, okay. Windsor. Missed that place. lived there for a while. So, uh, if you can help us out, what vaccine did you guys both get?
7: Uh, Pfizer.
0: Pfizer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, when you went to get your your Pfizer vaccine, what was the environment like? Was it uh, Was it a good environment? Were you scared or? Go ahead and answer. Um. It was. I mean, it it,
7: it looked like um. Like a camp? Well, yeah, I guess like you can kind of say it, it yeah. wasn't too many people there, so there, there wasn't large lineups. But if you could picture like, um, like a, a, a movie setting where there's a virus and then they've got areas where you follow the sections and they've got tape lines yeah. and it's all t- uh, tented off. So, you picture that in your head. That's basically what it looked like. So, but it was
5: very organized.
0: So, almost yeah. like organized. a like a mass unit type of thing, like the old the old show there, mash where they had the hospital tents and stuff like that. Yeah,
7: um, yeah. It's like, it's like a giant section, and it's like white white tent looking stuff up, and then you just follow the lines and you go to a room. Like the, you call it a room, but basically, what it is is just uh, sections tented off.
0: And did you did you guys because you're married? Did you go to the same room or did you have your own little room?
7: No, we went to the same room. Same room. Yeah. So how did you how
0: did you end up booking it? Did you do it online or like through a doctor or how did that work? Um,
7: I did it first online, and then somebody had um, told me about a phone number that I had to call a phone number, and she said it all went by postal code. So the postal if our postal code was on Hotspot mm-hmm. because we live in the downtown area, I thought it was Walkerville area, but. We're considered downtown. She said we were a hot spot. So we had to give them our postal code and she said we were we were okay to get the shot. A few days after that, I think it was like a week. No, it was it was just a couple days. Yeah, a couple days afterwards she booked it and we got it on the thirteenth of April. So it wasn't
0: it wasn't hard to get through on the line or to use the the online stuff like like all that stuff worked out okay no, for very, you. No, very,
7: very easy, very easy. You called us awesome. the line. Each city and town has a number that you contact. And they'll give you the information you require.
0: Yeah. Sounds easy. Now, when when you guys got the shot,
7: did it hurt? Uh, No, we didn't feel anything. Really? Until after. Uh, To be honest with you, mine, like, stung a little bit. And um, I had a little bit of side effect. Like, and I'm stressing the point, a little bit of a side effect. My wife was completely fine. She had no... Side effects, no pain, no nothing.
0: I was going to ask, were there any, you know, how did you feel afterwards? Were there any side effects? So, Shannon, you had very minor side effects, and Rosanna, you had none. None. Yeah.
7: Shannon had more headaches. Yeah, I had a a two-day straight headache that from morning, like all night, all day, it didn't go away, and uh, a sore arm. And it was only for two days. Were you worried? Uh, No, not at all. Not at all. Nope.
0: So to folks, if you're, if you're giving advice to folks, you're saying, hey, it's, it's easy. Go do it. It's not a big deal. Well,
7: my advice uh, would be before the shot, I was zero protected. After the shot, I'm 80 to 95, and I'm quoting what they – because we had asked them. Yeah, we asked them, and, and they and said and that we're more protected now than we were before. We didn't get the shot. So I feel 90% better that, you know, all is good
0: right on well thanks Shannon and Rosanna that's uh, that's awesome thanks for sharing uh, your experience with folks really appreciate thank it you. take care of yourselves yeah
7: you all right thank,
0: thank you. you hi we have Alan with us Alan is here to talk to us about uh COVID-19 and the vaccine Alan uh
8: where where do you live uh I live uh, in Toronto around the Bathurst and
0: oh. Lawrence area and uh Toronto and uh you got you received your vaccine right
8: yes yep. Yeah, I'd be uh a week and a half ago,
0: and uh, Alan, what uh, which one did you end up getting?
8: Uh, I ended up getting the Pfizer Pfizer vaccine.
0: Pfizer vaccine, okay. And when you went to get the vaccine, um, did you did you book it online? Did you get a call? Is it through uh, another avenue? How did you how did you manage to get uh, get there?
8: Yeah, good question, Guido. Um, I, I live in a, what I guess is deemed as a hot zone, so uh, found out uh, through a neighbor that. Uh, given my age and, and where I'm living, I qualify for uh, for um, for a vaccine. So online, the Humber uh, River Hospital had an online booking system that I was able to uh, book. I booked over the Easter long weekend, and I think in a week or two, I managed to get the appointment um, at the Downsview Arena clinic. They're not at the hospital; they're running into the clinic out of the Downsview Arena.
0: And the the booking was easy enough online. No glitches. Went through smoothly.
8: Yeah. Once once uh, once there were appointments available, it was uh, it was took about maybe four or five uh, tries to uh, throughout the course of the Easter long weekend. Once I realized that they were accepting or I did qualify for uh, vaccines, it took uh, I guess, three or four four or five times to, to to get an appointment. And once I did, very straightforward, very easy.
0: And so, thanks, Alan. And when when you went to the to the location there uh, at Downsview, what was the environment like? Was it was it uh, accepting? Was it uh, uh, strange? Was it difficult?
8: It, it was, yeah. It was. It was actually. It was. It was a very pleasant experience. Actually, in, almost impressive. I'd go uh, say it was uh, very well organized. I think I probably interacted and by interactive means, where people were guiding me through. Probably about through the whole process, maybe about fifteen people guiding me through. Wow. Uh, I don't know, maybe about a hundred feet of uh, of uh, lines and arrows that I had needed to follow. So it was uh, very well organized. And you felt you felt safe there? Oh, definitely. Yeah, they were. I mean, they they gave out new masks, so <laughs> they wanted everyone, I guess, to use a new mask. Right. And lots of hand sanitizer, lots of social distancing. Um, yeah, no, no, no concerns at all. When you got the shot, did it hurt? Um, No, uh, they they did warn that there could be some side effects, so um, I I sleep on my left side, so I asked them to get the shot (laughs) in the right side just in case, and uh, probably about maybe, I don't know, five or six hours later, I started to develop a little bit of arm pain in my shoulder, Um, nothing excruciating by any means. It it was sort of touch, but uh, otherwise fine. I'm glad I got it in, in my right side because it did make sleeping a little easier. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, I was certainly no 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 real discomfort or any other side effects.
0: So, uh, yeah, so I guess nothing else, just a little bit of discomfort and, and away you go. Were you at all worried about getting the vaccine or, or after you got it? Was there any worry or concern?
8: No, no, not at all. I, I mean, I did a, a bit of research. Mm-hmm. I, I know that the Pfizer didn't seem to have the same challenges that the astrazeneca had and and to be honest if you had that been available i would have taken that as well but uh as far as i understood from the pfizer there there really wasn't as 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 great a concern around any blood clots like the astrazeneca did but overall no there was no no worries or concerns
0: well thanks and thanks for that 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 little bit at the end too so you got the pfizer but you're saying hey i did enough research i would have taken the astrazeneca no matter what i am in a hot zone and no side effects thanks for doing this with us alan
8: Anytime,
0: Guido. Right on. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, Renata. Thanks for doing this quick uh, chat with us about the COVID-19 vaccine. Can you tell us where you live?
6: I live in uh, Leanington, Ontario.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Down, down south. And what vaccine did you get?
6: I got the Moderna.
0: Moderna. And um, when you went to get the, the Moderna vaccine, um, what was the environment like?
6: Um, Well, I went to the uh, Windsor-Essex Health uh, Unit on Princess Street in Leamington, and um, I was just blown away by the efficiency and the warmness of everybody. So um, I found the environment uh, very uh, warm and inviting. I didn't have to wait. I was in and out in about uh, 30 minutes.
0: Wow, thirty minutes, and and it sounds like it was it was a, a comfortable place. Now, how did you get into that unit? Did you have to book online, or was it through a, a, a personal doctor or anything like that? Or
6: um, well, they are very organized down in Windsor Essex, and uh, because of a pre-existing condition that I have, I was on a uh, priority list. So they called me, and uh, the appointment uh, was booked in. Uh, April. Wow. Well, it's good to hear that
0: you got in. Now, did uh, did getting the shot hurt?
6: Not at all. I didn't even know that she had put the needle in.
0: Awesome. And afterwards, did you have any uh, side effects or anything like that?
6: Um, I did, but uh, you know they were mild compared to uh, having COVID. Uh, so. For me, I had uh, the next day some tiredness and chills, and uh, with the Moderna, if you have some uh, female listeners out there, you um, one of the side effects is uh, swollen uh, lymph nodes under uh, the arms, so I did have um swollen lymph nodes under my right arm which where is where i got uh, the vaccine oh, interesting. but i was concerned and when i called they said those should be gone within a few weeks and it, they are going down
0: were you were you, it's good it's good that they've gone down were you worried going in or worried afterwards when that happened
6: um i was not worried about getting the vaccine i was um very emotional getting it. Actually, I cried when they gave it to me because I was thinking of uh, all the people that, you know, could have been saved with this vaccine that, you know, have not been in the world. And I felt a lot of gratitude uh, being able to receive it. Um, No, with the symptoms, I I wasn't um, afraid either because they do. They're very thorough. They do give you the uh, sheet with, you know, what can and can't happen I was just worried because the lymph node was quite large but like I said it has shrunk now
0: it's good to hear uh thanks for giving us this info and hopefully it'll help some folks out there take care Renata you too Guido bye bye all right uh hi Jamie thanks for doing this uh, little COVID-19 uh uh call in here uh where do you live
9: I live in Sault Ste. Marie
0: Sault Ste. Marie North awesome and um Jamie what uh, what vaccine did you get
9: we got the pfizer
0: you got the pfizer and yeah. when when you did that what was the environment like when you went when we when you went and got it
9: it was actually really calm going in like it went pretty fast it was, was the, the was the
0: time. facility like uh like what was it a room a building or
9: we had it at our hockey rink so every section where people sit in was a station then you had three people sitting at per station uh two meters apart
0: so you got your you got your shot while you're sitting in the in a hockey stand? Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. That's kinda neat, eh? Did you get a free hockey sticker? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up booking that? Did you have to uh, do it online or call in or
9: I did it through work because I'm a healthcare worker, so they kinda just called me and booked my appointment that way.
0: So it got it was all kind of prearranged and they said, Hey, here's your date or whatever.
9: Yeah. Cool. Called me up, asked me what time I want to go in to before work or after work.
0: And you just so, had to bring your ID and, and in you went sort of thing, I guess. I eh?
9: well, I had to make sure I brought had the paperwork and everything. Now, did it hurt when you got the the needle? No, I actually didn't even realize I got the needle done. <laughs> to be honest with you, that quick? So, yeah, it went pretty fast. And how about how about afterwards?
0: Did you did you feel anything? Any side effects or anything like that?
9: Mom was a little sore, but mostly I was tired and really thirsty the next day. So that but,
0: thirstiness lasted like a day?
9: Yeah, pretty much. Were you at all worried going in or coming out? Not really. Needles don't really bother me or anything, so I just went in as did like another day. But the vaccine, you weren't worried about the vaccine in any way? Not really. I don't really think much about the vaccine.
0: As a PSW, do like, you feel safer having it, or or were you okay even before?
9: I just feel it'd probably be better to take it for the families and the residents-wise, to be yeah. more comfortable.
0: Good, thank you, Jamie. All right, listen, thanks for sharing your experience with us, eh? you're
9: welcome.
0: All right, okay. so I'm here with uh, Rob uh, to talk about uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. Rob, thanks for joining us. Um
4: Welcome. thank you. Where where do you live, Rob? I live in Richmond Hill. Cool. Richmond. Just Richard, down the road from you.
0: Just down the road. Wow, this is perfect. <laughs> I, I get a good sense of, of what's going on in here. So Rob, what uh what vaccine uh what vaccine did you get?
4: I decided to go for the AstraZeneca just because my uh of my age and uh was the first available. Okay,
0: and and when you went to get the AstraZeneca vaccine, where where was it? Like, what was the environment like? Like, uh, did you go to a building or something? Or it was a pharmacy. So, okay.
4: so my wife basically she booked the appointments online, and she happened to get it too. And uh, yeah. it was pretty easy. I mean, you just booked the appointments. We booked on two two or three different pharmacies, and the first one to reply with. Uh, with an appointment was uh, was the uh, what do you call it the uh, uh, pharma What's it called, Joe? Uh, Rexall? Rexall Pharmacy. Rexall. So That's
0: when you request. and I was going to ask, how did you book it? You booked it online, it seems. So what did um, when when you went there? Did you uh, did you have to stand in line or or anything like no, that? Or? No, no,
4: because they give you a time slot, a ten minute time slot. So basically, they say we have an appointment for Tuesday at, at uh, six p.m., and uh, then I got one for six ten p.m. Right? right. So we we showed up. Um, you go to the reception, the pharma, like the pharmacy counter, and uh, they they tell you, okay, um, you check in, and you have to fill out a form, you know. to... Tell yeah. you, you know, your old hip number, whatever they need. Yeah. And then you just uh, sit until the pharmacy, the pharmacist calls you and gives you the shot. Do you go, you know, do you go to a easy, room? Or or th-
0: does he give it to you right out in the open or do you go to a room? No,
4: no. There's a room. They have yeah. a, a room that you go in like a cons- consult room. Okay. Basically, right. And you go in there, he gives you the shot and then he tells you, wait 15 minutes before you leave to make sure everything is good. And that's cool. it. Cool. Did it hurt? You know, not at all. Didn't even feel didn't even feel it? Even feel it? <laughs> Nobody we didn't feel anything. Now, no, it was good. It was pretty it was pretty smooth, I, I gotta say, for uh, the Rexall anyways. We, um, and then like a couple a week or two later we got a uh, we got the notification from Shoppers Drug Mart saying, right. you know, you have an appointment. And basically if you don't reply it, it, it just expires, right? Oh, so, so you don't means, you don't have to go through. And you don't on. have to. Yeah, you don't have now, to. Now, were
0: you uh, were you at all worried going to get Astrazeneca?
4: Uh, not really, not yeah. really, because uh, I, basically I know that millions of people got it in England, and yeah, there's a risk with the blood clotting and stuff, but but then again, I. I listen to uh, all kinds of medical people saying that um, there's more risk with other medications that give you more, you know, there's more risk of a blood, cl- blood clot with other medications than the AstraZeneca.
0: That's pretty impressive, uh, the, the fact that you listen to medical people when you're, you know, some medical advice about medicine. That's, that's really good.
4: <laughs> yeah. that guy, there's there's, a, there's a, a Dr. Gupta and from the uh, University Health Network. He has a really good um, video on that that really explains it well, right?
0: So it sounds like you did a little bit of research too. Now, did you have any side effects?
4: The only, well, yeah, like the next day I, you have... Uh, I, we both got body aches um, and you feel uh, tired, but really no fevers. We didn't get a fever. Some people do experience a fever like my sister she ha- had the AstraZeneca and she had a low grade fever for right for half a day, you know. And th- then 24 hours later it's okay, everything's good. And now you're you're slated for your second shot too, I guess, right? Yeah, and that's that's the thing instead of being 3 weeks or a month later now it's they're doing it 3 to 4 that's months nice. later, right? Cool. Well, yeah.
0: thanks for thanks for uh, sharing that with us, so Rob Richmond Hill, AstraZeneca, mild, mild uh, symptoms, symptoms there, and <laughs> you're uh,
4: welcome.
0: <laughs> so you're saying go for it then uh, to folks, hey eh, Rob? Yeah, yeah.
4: There's cool. I don't think there's that much of a risk. To tell you the truth. So.
0: Thanks, Rob. All right, take care. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. There's my story on. COVID 19 and the vaccine. And we heard from some folks who went out and did get the vaccine and and their experiences. And that's just there for your information and your consumption, whatever it is that you decide to do. And whatever that is that you're doing, I hope that you continue to do it uh, safely so that we can all get out of this pandemic and get back to some level of what we thought was normal. Now, listen, to close things out, I've got Anthony Rosano and the Conquerors. Anthony's coming back with a little tune, an acoustic version of The Chain, and he's going to help us take the podcast out for this month. Thank you again, Anthony and the Conquerors. Thank you, Anthony, and take us out with The Chain.
3: Headed east and toward the sea, training off who I was, who I was supposed to be. Twisting on the throttle, holding on for my dear life. Since I threw away that bottle. felt right. Better than I was before. Leave right after the sunset. The darkness be my guide. Oh, I forget on my